Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. No. I haven't been reading her stuff. I saw someone excerpted her piece a little bit this week, and I just went, "That that is correct. You are correct, ma'am." Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the stuff we've been talking about about yeah. um, like the racial elements of the yeah. persecution of women on the show, not yeah. being talked about. Anyways, that's for a few weeks from now. Um, okay. Uh, Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls It Joined as Ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Um, Noel, how's it going this week? Uh, it's going okay. It's it's a long weekend, which is nice. I'm looking forward to that. I'm do like, you, do you get long weekends with your with oh, what no. you do? No, I didn't think so. No, when I don't work, I don't get paid. So right, no. Yeah. But the the so there's pros and cons. So I've got a bunch of my students are traveling. Normally, I teach like twelve hours straight on Sundays. Um, and a bunch of my students are traveling, so I'm not getting paid, which, you know, isn't always so, helpful. However, that does mean that I actually get to see my family on Memorial Day weekend. It's very, I like, I tetrised everyone around so that I actually will be available somewhat in the evening, um, mm-hmm. which is a new thing for me, honestly. And my, so my family's coming into town too, so it just works out. It's very exciting. Okay. Well, I mean, look at it this way. Once I won the lottery, you won't have uh-huh. to worry about it because then exactly. I'm apparently just paying you to podcast things yes, at that point. Yes, obviously. I think that was the implication. Yes, well, clearly, <laughs> you know, you're also paying yourself. But with I already money. have the money, though. <laughs> Details. Okay. Also, if you know, if, if Carl mm-hmm. wants to win the lottery and, and pay us to podcast, we could do See? that. I actually have had somebody this week, like, chastise us for not having a Patreon. For the podcast. Person who chastised her. I have recommended this. She said no. <laughs> well, I just assume that none, we don't have listeners who would be interested in that, considering the amount of time it took me, or well, not time, but uh, considering the uh, effort I went to put us on Stitcher and the number of listeners we have on Stitcher, which is uh-huh. n- practically non-existent. Right. Um, so, you know, listeners, should I put together a Patreon? Should I do that? Do you care? Would you support the show? Is that a thing that... You would like to be able to do let, let us know all the money would go to kate all the money <laughs> would go to covering the costs and then yeah. any extra money would go to other things like you know mm-hmm. new mics and i don't know maybe a soundboard at some point that would be crazy talk see all of it would go to kate because she does all the editing <laughs> <laughs> website design we could get those like like logo things we've talked about like hiring somebody to do like you know yeah things like that, things like I, that. Could, yeah. I, I could have also i could also just also help pay for those things as it is yes but no like the 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 lucrative world of podcasting listeners it doesn't pay us anything so Mm -hmm. at the very least i figure it shouldn't cost us too much yeah i think that's fair you know we go from there you know I was like, we, we, we splurged on some mic stands and new mics last year. So Well, I mean, the mics were also really cheap, and you bought yeah. me a mic stand for Christmas after I got also posters that. that never showed up. <laughs> no, they did show up. <laughs> they did Just show like up. A month late, but month they're, late. they're super cool. But, yeah. yeah. Anyways, this is all, we're getting distracted. This is all inside baseball <laughs> and behind the curtain. And uh, I uh, thought this, people liked when we did that, though. Maybe they do. <laughs> Again, you can let us know, listeners, if you do. <laughs> Um, but I think they're more interested in all of the finales, which oh, is this week. 
so many finales and then it's like kind of a quiet week and then all of the premieres are coming. <laughs> well, and I'm so behind on all the prestige TV that you don't watch, right. um, which like I feel like we really have been issuing the, the prestige TV that everybody else has been complaining about and I have not missed it. So I don't. I mean, I feel bad. Like, I feel bad for, like, your Americans. Yeah, um, I will catch up on the Americans. I'm, I'm behind on that one, but I will catch up in time for the finale, which is next week. Oh, um, well, there you go. And The Leftovers, which I love. But I love The Americans, and I love uh, I, and I love uh, Leftovers, Leftovers. And those are the two ones that I actually feel bad about getting behind on. I do not feel bad about being behind on Fargo at all. Did you start? You did start. Did you start Fargo? Well, I watched the first episode. Okay, so, we could so talk you, about you it. technically started it. Right. Yeah, and Carrie Coon's amazing, so I do feel like maybe I should be following it a little bit. I don't, I don't know. So the other, but the other ones people have been complaining about, like having off seasons. I'm like, yeah, that's why we stopped talking about it. Yeah, I'm well, also because Noel wasn't going to watch Fargo. Noel watched Mr. Robot last year. He's not watching <laughs> Fargo this year. And I applaud that decision. Um, but we are more busy talking about, for example, this week, Supergirl, which had a season two finale. We're very excited to have Dr. Elizabeth Bridges back on the podcast <laughs> to talk about the, what the whole season has, has looked like, as well as the finale. It's something that's, um, she, she like took us aside at, at, uh, Clarkson Town. was like, by the way, when Supergirl ends, we got to talk about it. And so we're just happy she's yeah. coming back on because that, the finale, right? Yeah. I mean, she didn't even know there was going to be a lead bomb that apparently doesn't affect humans. But more on that later. Um, let's focus on the awesomeness, at least, is what I'm where I'm at. But um, but yes, we will talk about the fact that <laughs> apparently in Supergirl, lead doesn't hurt people. Tell that to Flint. Anyways, um, <laughs> Earth Earth thirty eight man don't yeah. have a lead problem. <laughs> totally totally different over there. Um, we are gonna have uh, just two week two chunks this week. Um, genre with their finales and then everything else. Um, so why don't we take a break now and come back with our week in everything else? Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Okay, we'll be right back after this. comedy reality and drama um noel's gonna kick things off with a little archer dreamland finale talk oh man Aflosung, is that big vaguely right probably uh, yeah. i mean don't look at me i took latin cat purring in high school yeah i i i, I took i took latin um, i didn't take latin i took spanish oh okay. but i did take cat purring okay um i took french and, and latin and neither one of them has the double dot thingy over an o so so i'm guessing that's some german going on probably there. it would make sense yeah um and then i was going to talk the brooklyn 99 finale the bank job and crime and punishment before we both chime in on jane the virgin which has finale chapter 64 and then we'll talk that elimination on rupaul's drag race your pilot's on fire i have thoughts 
I'm sure you do too. Um, I also definitely have thoughts about the elementary finale, which Noel's aware of because I texted them to him immediately after I watched it. <laughs> and then um, I waited two days to watch it based on those texts. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Anyways, the 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 finale was titled uh, Hurt Me, Hurt You. And then we'll round things out with The Handmaid's Tale, The Other Side. So first up is Archer Dreamland. I got behind on this one, Noel. And yep. uh, it was, you know, there are other finales I needed to catch first. So should I, like, we last checked in on Archer Dreamland, like, four or five weeks ago. Should right. I go back and finish the season? How did it, how did it wind up? They're still in Dreamland, Kate. Oh, my God. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, so he doesn't, he doesn't wake up from the coma. Lana gets shot to death multiple times. Well, not to death multiple times, but she gets shot multiple times. Wait. Dreamland Lana or real world Dream, Lana? I'm just talking dream world because they, oh, okay. they they don't go back to the real world at all. Okay. Well, I didn't know because we did see, yeah. we did start the season in the right. real world. They don't go back. Okay. Um, and so, like, they fight Cyborg Barry, naturally, because Krieger was a German doctor who mm-hmm. tried to make robot soldiers that didn't really work. Um, but yeah, I'm, so... I'm it, astonished that the Krieger robot did not work. Right, but it wor- it naturally worked for Barry because ah. Barry is psychotic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very standard Archer stuff in a noir type of setting, and there's some emotional beats related to like um, his relationship with um, uh, what's the mother's name? I can't remember the mother's name. Mother. <laughs> they call her mother. That's all I right, remember. Right, but like, yeah, I can't remember her. The character Mallory. I like. I, Mallory, I only know Mallory. Yeah. It's Mallory, thank you. Okay. Yeah, so his relationship to Mallory, his relationship to Lana kind of come into play a little bit. Mm-hmm. And but it's all through this lens of like a still within the coma nineteen forties dream world. And there's a nice moment about Woodhouse because the guy who voiced Woodhouse actually died in real life, which I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's a nice moment for there and they dedicate the episode to him. And but yeah, they don't leave Dream World. And I was reading Dreamland, I should say. And I was reading an interview that um, Adam Reed did with um, Suffenwall over at Uprox. And he was just like, yeah, um, I don't know if we're going back. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, we've got, like, two seasons, two, three seasons left. And I've got a really solid outline for everything. And I just got really distracted. So I don't know if we're going to go back. And I just kind of went, okay, show." All right, if FX isn't going to complain, I guess I'm not. I don't know what you're going to do. But yeah. that that is basically where it is. Is like we're still in a coma and Adam Reed is just like, I suppose we should go back to the present day, but I don't really feel like it. <laughs> Was well, basically I mean, the gist of it. Yeah, why not? You know, they can do whatever they want or they yeah. can also just have Archer wake up at the start of the new season and then yeah. have more fun in the dream in Dreamland via like comics and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, that's so, that is very interesting, especially if they killed Lana in Dreamland and they're planning to stay yeah. in Dreamland. Are they just not going to have her? Well, that that was actually something something Suppenwall asked was whether or not like Aisha Tyler was going to be back and he was just like, yeah. "I don't know yet." Oh, wow. I'm sure she loves that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's really thrilled cuz her other only other steady gig right now is hosting Who's Line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, wow, that's interesting. Any any yeah. good stuff for Poovy? My favorite character of the season? Uh, Poovy's great, isn't isn't he? Um, (laughs) But it ends kind of tragically for Poovy. Um, All the the Chinese ladies leave. 
Oh. Yeah, and he he has a really sad moment crying at his table because increasingly, like those like kind of like moments of what Pooby wanted to do with them and kept happening, which were yeah. really great. And they culminated in like watching a bunch of them like graduate from college. And he's very <laughs> old, and like it it's such good animation and character design because you get to see an old bald male version of Pam. And it's great. It works. It's perfect. It's still mm-hmm. so good. I, I, Pooby's just the best thing that in this season by by far and away. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really kind of heartbreaking to see that last little moment of Pooby crying in the kitchen after reading the note of them leaving. Yeah, it's just it was really sad. Okay, um, so yeah. then I it sounds like I should go back and watch this. Is what you're saying? I guess. I mean, like, my thing with it is, like, you weren't, like, super keen on Dreamland just from, like, an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know how much you would have gotten from this based on the fact that Adam Reed was just like, I don't know if we're ever going back to the present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, did, I didn't know how you were going to feel about that. So, Well, do we have any of our favorite guest stars returning in uh, these episodes? No, it's still... No, the band just kind of disappears. So those folks never come back. And it's just like core group plus um, uh, Truxton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's it. It's just the core group. I'm assuming okay. like they had to cut their budget because they had to build all build yeah. all new like sets to use yeah. animation-wise. And they had a couple of like large action sequences in the second to last episode that probably cost for them a small fortune. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they put some action on screen this time, though, because I know that's yeah. always not not always been an option for them. So, okay, well, I it, listeners, if I do go back, I will chime in with some thoughts next week. But um, for now, overall, favorite flavor of Archer Noel: original recipe or Vice or Dreamland? Like, what 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 do you think is working best for them? I didn't like Vice very much, um, so I keep kind of wanting them to go back to original flavor, which I know isn't mm-hmm. sustain. Which I know they're not going to go back to. Um, just mm-hmm. they're just they read and company said pretty early on. They're just like we're kind of running out of mileage here with this. Yeah, and so I I understand and respect that, but I miss that just that wood paneled office so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I like the original flavor. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't do more with the modern day PI stuff. Because that was a really rich avenue that they just didn't, I felt like, didn't do a lot with. Um, so I think I'd go original favor, flavor, and then Dreamland, and then modern day PI, and then, like, maybe there's a weird gap, and then there's... <laughs> and then there's Vice. Then, then there's Vice, which was just really disappointing to me. But so. still gave us Cheryl the country singer, so it's worth it oh, for that. Right, which is, which is the best part of that. Yeah, again, fabulous. Um, okay, well, how about Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Um, you know, we've been enjoying the season a lot. I liked the last two-parter. I caught up with Moo Moo, and like you said, it was amazing. Did Bank Job, Crime Punishment, end the season just as strong, or is it a little more of a peter out? It was not a peter out, but it was a sort of uh, return to the show doing something really weird for Jake and someone else to end the season on. So, like... Mm. Last season, it was like uh, it was Jake and Holt going to witness protection mm-hmm. and and being stuck in Florida. And then this time, it ends with Hawkins, um, Gina Gershon's character, mm-hmm. who's this badass detective uh, who has a terrific reputation, who actually turns out to be crooked, um, frames uh, um, Jake and Gina mm-hmm. for all the bank jobs that they've done. 
And so Jake and um, Jake, not Jake and Gina, sorry, Jake and Rosa. Yeah. And um, the, Jake and Jake and Rosa are going to prison. Okay. That, and that's how it that ends. That has a lot of potential, I think. It has so much potential. Yeah. Um, but there's some really good character beats in this, including Holt talking to uh, Rosa because mm-hmm. Rosa's ready to bolt. Yeah. And which that fits makes with a, her. which makes a wonderful amount of sense. Yeah. And hang on. And you know her hubby would like be right there with her. <laughs> well, he he comes back. Okay. Uh, for a couple episodes. Um, what's his name? Um, Jason Mazzucas is the actor. I don't remember the character's right. name. Adrian. 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 Yeah comes back for a couple episodes to help them become dirty cops. Because mm-hmm. they don't know how, but he, of course, does. Yeah. Because um, he did it for years. Uh, so he comes back. Uh, but Gina's, like, ready. Gina. Okay, ambulance. I get it. <laughs> so Rosa's ready to bolt, but we get to see Rosa do, like, a grad student orthonology with a wig and a totally different voice. And it's mm-hmm. a really good, like, bit of comedic work. Uh, but there's a really genuine, like, emotional moment between Rosa and Holt, which I really like. Because I feel like mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of those. And I really I really appreciated that that was there. So there's a lot of really good uh, kind of twisty stuff within Bank Job and Crime and Punishment for Brooklyn Nine, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine perspective. Mm-hmm. And also Ryan Felipe shows up as uh, the, uh, the boil that... Uh, Arboyle hates um, Mm -hmm. and thinks is kind of ugly and -hmm. of course it's Ryan Felipe so he's not ugly and Arboyle is just really bitter about it but it's really it's a really good brief scene but it's very funny and promising hopefully for like next season Uh, so a a strong end I think and I think also just it felt in part like a strong end because we ended up getting so many episodes Mm -hmm. back to back to back to back because they just took an inexplicable three-month hiatus. Yep, like you do sometimes if you're on Fox, yeah. Yeah, so I think that helped like a lot of momentum Mm -hmm. uh, going into it, Uh, but I I think it ended pretty strongly overall. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed uh, the episode from last week with Gina Gershon and that that introduction of that character. So it makes sense for that to be like this three episode arc at the end of the season and leading into the next year. Uh, And yeah, I'm looking forward to that then. I think I feel like, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one of those shows I'm so excited. You were so happy when it got its renewal because it was a little on the fence there um, that I think it's so easy to take the show for granted. But I mean, it's very reliable. It's really funny. They know their characters. They can they swap them out with regularity between all the different, you know, combos like you're saying we rarely get stuff with rosa and holt so i'm looking forward to seeing that scene playing with that dynamic um but even just again on a level of there is a cop show with two latinas and two black guys and i feel like it's really easy for people to take that for granted and it's also really really funny when i was worried about it getting canceled like oh crap there goes the latina representation on my overall viewing it's just in the virgin now um, so I, yeah, not only is it very funny, not only does it employ a bunch of very talented people and not only is it, you know, surprisingly reliable given that it's, you know, it's in its fourth season. It's not like it's the good place to starting things off with a, with a right. crazy concept in season one. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm also very glad that it's, it's taking risks and finding new territory and keeping these, you know, these, these very talented people in a room together so I can enjoy them. 
Right, and it's it's so weird because every time I've watched it, especially within this last run of episodes, I just keep going, this is a really solid third season. Yeah. And it's not. It's season four. They're about to do season five. And I keep having to remind myself that we've had this show for five years now. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I don't know why, but it's just, I, I'm really glad. And there's just, there's a real number of really solid jokes in this, including finding out what Rose's favorite drink is. Mm. Do you want to know what it is? No, I want to discover okay. it. Okay, yeah, so no. It, it could go like Adrian style or it could go Nancy Meyer <laughs> style, and I would enjoy right. either either option. <laughs> so uh, I will enjoy discovering that um, shortly. Okay, well, any final thoughts on Brooklyn Nine-Nine or should we move on to Jane? Uh, no, let's move on to Jane. Okay, so let's start this out by saying Adam is stupid and I don't <laughs> think he's going to be around very long. He's gonna. He's a Teen Wolf. He's gonna be around for a while. He's a Teen Wolf. I think so. I think the actor's a Teen Wolf. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I just assumed he wouldn't be. Because no offense to the actor, I don't know you. You might be very good, but he looks so bland and nondescript that I was like, uh, okay, this guy's been around for like one episode because he does not have the presence <laughs> of any of the other characters, like especially the love interest they've brought in, and so. What does that say about me, that I don't, I don't know the Teen Wolves? Well, I don't know either. I only know it because um, a couple of my TVGuide.com uh, colleagues are big mm-hmm. uh, Teen Wolf fans. No, it's Tyler Posey, and he played Scott on Teen Wolf. Oh, um, that's Tyler Posey. Yeah, that's Tyler yeah, Posey. Yeah, he's going to be around for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's recurring. Yeah, he's recurring next season. Okay, I'm not excited about that. <laughs> I'm not particularly excited about it either, in part because I agree with your general description of him being very nondescript and not having much energy in that one scene that he doesn't really make an impact. Um, yeah. The special effects are what's trying to sell us on that with the cranes yeah. floating up and it's trying to sell us on the moment because he's certainly not. Yeah, it's like, it's very much a uh, her, like an Anvil situation. Um, right. Like, like the Mika Kelly stuff, but at least Mika Kelly was memorable in the fact it was funny that they kept forgetting her because when you did see her she actually felt like a person right and i kept waiting for her to show up during this episode and she never did (laughs) that's true um well okay let's actually talk about the substance of what went on this week and what we've had the last couple weeks how'd you like the fallout with fabian and you know where that went and then the the wedding and the on and the off and justina machado back with you know the the seven months pregnant and all that like how did this come together for you I think it mostly came together all right. I was sort of surprised by how generally low key mm-hmm. most of it was. Yeah. Um, and but I was also kind of delighted that there wasn't like a massive amount of drama surrounding the Zoe and Roe wedding. I didn't want a lot, um, mm-hmm. mainly because I just want this storyline to get on with it um, and stick. Mm-hmm. And so I was really glad that the wedding worked out, and I really enjoyed. Jane's uh, little speech about them choosing one another. I really, really liked that. I thought it was really nice. And so, yeah, I thought I thought the wedding overall worked out fine. Um, as for the Fabian, res- what was the Fabian resolution? Because I've already blanked on it, apparently. We, we had the whole, um, her using him for the horse oh, connection the and the punching. Right. And- right. I did enjoy the I, I, I enjoyed the fight because it was such a ridiculous fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them were really, really good in that sequence. Um, the horse thing was mean, but also kind of fitting. Um, so I was okay with that. 
Um, I thought that was last week's. I didn't. Yeah, that might have been thought. last week's. Okay. We, but we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Right. So. Okay. So, yeah, I, I thought the Fabian stuff worked out well, considering where everything got left. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I was generally happy with everything. Um, and the thing I think I'm most excited about from this finale is just the promise, the promise, Kate, the promise mm-hmm. that Louisa is, Louisa is going to be, like, actually recurring next season. Yeah. I, I need that to happen as much as I don't really care about the inner workings of the Marbella anymore. Mm-hmm. But if it means she's going to be back in a much larger capacity, I'm here for it. Yeah. I loved the little visual of the heart, you know, turning dark. Yes. And that, that I, I think the actors can be really good at that too. I look forward to what yeah. they can play. Um, certainly with the, um, you know, and tying it with the vows, the for better and, and vows. Worse, that's rit- the word. Yeah. Yeah, richer and poorer. We've never seen Raphael have to deal with poorer. That would be very interesting if he did actually have to deal with that. Um, though I enjoyed the Fabian stuff, but I do have a huge-ass issue with one thing. He needed to fucking apologize for using the term slut as a pejorative, and he never did. And that is not acceptable as far as I'm concerned, especially because the, the, the way that they defused that situation was very rightfully having Jane say obviously I care about you I've only slept with two people ever that does mean something but that also is like the show saying see she's not a slut she's only slept with two people so that's that's why he shouldn't have called her a slut because she isn't one mathematically it's so messed up and to not like this is a show that's so aware of that type of thing and the language that it uses and the context and that really still is bothering me as it should. Um, th- that is a weird sort of thing for the show to not sort of correct in some capacity. And it's too late to do it now. <laughs> yeah, it's too late to do um, and, and And having both Rogelio and, and Jane res- respond so viscerally to that, mm-hmm. I thought was very appropriate. But it didn't seem like it was really in character for what we've seen from Fabian, first of all. Yeah. Um, in a, if you want to have that be like an emo, something he says in a moment of anger, but then that causes some reflection for him or something, that would make more sense. Yeah. You no, know, like clearly I need to examine some of my issues with that I would go there because that's not me, that kind of a thing. Like, I don't know. I just, that really was very glaring to me. But other than that, I did think the, the comedy of, uh, you know, like seeing Jane deal with using somebody. We've never seen her do that. Yeah. I thought that that, um, you know, that, again, humanizes her a little bit more. I don't like to see that in Jane, but I do think it's honest and it's much more realistic. And the other thing that I really liked about this finale um, is that it really highlighted the way she has changed since the, the premiere, and certainly since losing Michael. This mm-hmm. idea of it's not uh, happily ever, ever after. It's not destiny. It's not, that's, that was so much what she bought into in the early seasons of the show. So to have her so actively reject that over and over and over and over again in the, the, the finale, but also just these last couple episodes, I thought was very interesting and a very deliberate choice. Yeah, but also it, 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 a lot of this and even like this episode, the finale in particular, I felt like put a really nice bow on Michael. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that because the show managed to stay really true, but also reconfigure itself without michael but never really kind of lost anything by losing michael 
Yeah. Uh, which isn't to say that Michael wasn't important to the show because he still is and will remain so, I imagine, for a while. But all of it, his departure didn't shake up the show in like a, oh, there, there's this hole in the show now, but it became a hole for the characters and they managed to really mine, mine it mm-hmm. in a really productive way that explored it as opposed to just kind of Letting, not letting it do, just letting it be this gap. Um, I'm not explaining this very well, but uh, <laughs> no, no, you are, and that's yeah. an excellent point because we've talked about other shows that you know have or have not, and we'll get to this when we talk. Supergirl handled the loss of a significant character yeah. and a significant dynamic on the show. Well, the ones that have you know, like this is a good example of taking a change in your cast like that and having that fuel significant growth for the show. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would agree where he pops back up and it feels really lo- lovely and, and very mm-hmm. comfortable and appropriate for the story that they're telling. And we have enough distance now that we can have those moments without overwhelming grief from the characters. Uh, yeah. But when he's not there, when we're back in the present, it also, you know, does feel real. It feels organic. And seeing how the time jump has affected the dynamics of the interpersonal dynamics of the cast. I mean, like it's been... It was it was a good thing that they did, and we, I know yeah. we were a little you know uncertain at the time, sure. but it, they certainly I think nailed the landing on that, and it's been a strong second chunk of the season. Right, I, I definitely think the second half of the season has been significantly stronger than the first half has been. Yeah. Um, the the time skip allowed them to do a whole lot of things that they needed to do to make mm-hmm. click into place, and they've done that really admirably. So I'm really excited about season four. Yeah. Do you think they're now going to just commit to uh, Raph and Petra long term? I, I would like them to. Yeah. Um, uh, just because I I appreciate where the show is kind of like having threading that needle with um, Raph and Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I just I don't see that dynamic working anymore. At least it doesn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, like, previously, like, one of the things I always really enjoyed about the show, and definitely in its first season, was the fact that the love triangle made a great deal of sense to me on both sides. Yeah. Even though I was very firmly Team Michael. <laughs> it, made, it made very clear sense to me why Jane would be attracted to both of them and would want to be with both of them. But because of the time skip, and I just don't see that dynamic anymore between the two of them. And I really love the friendship, the very deep friendship vibe that they have now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really love that. And I really love like Jane's decision to try and get Petra and Raph together again. And I really mm-hmm. love that calling back and forth Doris Day, Rock Hudson sort of thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. I, I just really liked it. And I like this friendship dynamic and this mixed blended family that they have in place. And I think that's just also really important to see on TV as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I really like that. So I don't want it to go away, basically, mm-hmm. is how I feel about it. And I like Jane's sort of just outsider status that the Raph and Petra thing creates a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also just like, I also just like Petra and Jane as friends mm-hmm. so much that I don't want it to like get disrupted by a romance. So yeah. that's my other very selfish reason. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I agree about the the dynamic with Raph and Zane now, though I do I think they could very easily pivot it back to romance incredibly believably in this, and have that be strengthened by the bond, the, the friendship sure. that they have now. I think I think that would work very well, and I think that would if they decided to go there, that would yeah. I'd have I think it would be great. Um, but you'd have to figure out how you would maintain the Jane and Petra dynamics. I agree. I think that's one, been one of the strengths of the time jump. Um, the, the trouble that I have is with the show not just full on, fully committing Petra and Raph, like, you know, OTP and everything. Yeah. Is then they need to find somebody that has better chemistry or at least equal chemistry with Gina Rodriguez. Right. Than Raph, the actor whose name escapes me at the moment, because they, based on that one scene, Tyler Posey ain't it, and <laughs> nobody else that they've had on the show, besides Michael Brett Deer, have had an like a, anywhere comparable level of chemistry. So if they're not gonna, you know, like it's like when you're watching as 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 a fan, or and certainly as somebody who enjoys um, shipping from time to time. So as I'm watching the show, I'm just going like. Okay, but they've got really great chemistry, and you want us to pretend that they don't understand that that exists. And she's super into fill-in-the-blank guy. Mm-hmm. He's really into her teacher. Really? No one Because Raph that. is right there. And you Raph know, is much hotter than the teacher. <laughs> well, and just they have much more believable chemistry. Yeah. You know, like, the dynamic between the two is much more palpable. So, like, they have to, you know, that's, that's on the casting, you know, casting director and the... Uh, the, and the actual directors, I guess, and the actors and the writers. But right now, um, we'll see. I look forward to being wrong, Noel, in the fall. Right. I, that's the nice thing about both of us, is that we always look forward to being wrong, but we appreciate also being right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like that is a great pivot over to RuPaul's Drag Race, your pilot's on fire. Because, oh. man, Valentina was endgame, but this, like... I enjoyed watching some of the the, the conversation online okay. with this. Tell me about the conversation. Well, because because news that Valentina got eliminated had leaked, and people were pissed. And then they watched the episode and were like, "Okay, fair enough. I can't really like." Yeah, I, there you... were still people who felt like you know she should have gotten another chance because she only screwed up once, and other people have screwed up more. But mm-hmm. like, really, it was very much a. All the uh, all the Valentina stands were like up in arms, and then they watched the episode. And like, well, I mean, we were pulling. I, I saw the the Tyra Banks top model. We were pulling for you, yeah, uh-huh. a lot in that right. discussion. I mean, like, what can you say when she doesn't even know the words to the lip sync, and she tries to hide it in these really pathetic ways? Valentina, you're better than this, right? No, because I when the, I watched the episode, I just went, oh god. Kate and I were talking about how this was Valentina's to lose. Yeah. And, and then, then she lost it all by yeah. herself. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it was not good either. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, but it was just like when she didn't take off the mask, I was just like, something's not right here. And then she's just like, I, 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 I don't want to take it off. And I just went, oh, no, honey. Yeah. And oh, she was no. like, don't try to hide your, like, put right. your hand don't... up in front. Like, yeah. Who do you think is watching you? Who do you think your judges are? At the very least, you have to like try to do some like, oh, you can't see it because I'm moving around and I'm spinning so much. That's right. why. Right. <laughs> Just do something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Peas and, and carrots, I... peas and carrots. I mean. Mm-hmm. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Move your mouth. <laughs> right. And I mean, if I'm Nita 
and they're just like, we're going to reset. I would, if I'm Nina, I'm just like, oh, bitch, no. <laughs> we are not resetting. Because <laughs> I'm killing this right now. Yeah, she did a good job, I thought. Certainly compared yeah. to Valentina. Right, but I, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good final lip sync from um, Nina. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just like, wow, this is bad. And Valentina, I was indeed thinking you were going to go all the way with this. <laughs> like Rue said. Yeah. <laughs> We all thought so, and then you just decided to take the week off. Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting watching well, the week off, can, like the day off. The day off. Yeah. yeah. Watching Untucked, um, you get a sense that she was really like self defeatist and depressed, sort of mm-hmm. in the moment. Like um, the she like she she barely listened even listened to the song at least based on the editing. Who, who knows? Yeah. But it seemed like she didn't even go to practice the lip sync whereas alexis like left the little conversation circle is like no i have to go practice the song so i think i'm gonna be singing and yeah. and was in in the back like with her headphones and like practicing the lip sync neither nina nor uh uh valentina really did that and nina listened seemed like she was listening more mm-hmm. and, and valentina seemed like she was just in her own head and, and this is where you see that her her inexperience really right. come through uh, i i think my theory and i've heard other people say this as well is i really think that rue was setting up valentina to like knock out nina yeah but then i mean come on i did not think that charlie would not be the worst lip syncer this season Ah, ah. well i mean charlie yeah yeah and i i don't disagree with that idea that rue was trying to set it up um Mm -hmm. Or at least the, some, maybe the producers as well. Yeah. But yeah, and then it didn't happen. Yeah. And I feel like Rue at some point should have just stopped after it was very clear Valentina was just didn't know the words. Uh huh. And just be like, okay, wait, nope, hang on, we're gonna stop again because clearly <laughs> you are not prepared again. Yeah. Well, and after getting criticized for not being really prepared for yeah. the the pilot either. I mean, and yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was painful. It was painful. Um, how did you feel about like the rest of the episode? I was, I, as someone who was kind of worried about Sasha doing this kind of stuff, I take back all of those concerns. Yeah, <laughs> she did good. Like, I really enjoyed the pilot that we got from Sasha and Shay or Sashay, yeah. which is yeah. their ship name, which I love. Um, oh, okay. That is fantastic. Yeah, and um, I actually thought the other pilot was surprisingly good, too. Like, there was a stronger core there than I was expecting. I think it could have been executed better, and I certainly wouldn't want to watch that every week, but you could definitely see that being, like, a recurring sketch on, like, an SNL kind of a thing. Yes, yes, and I I feel like Alexis was just, like, overcompensating for a lot. Oh, God. With this whole... I was, was, like, producing behind the scenes, and I I just immediately went, it's a sketch, no, <laughs> no, that is they, that is not a thing in this capacity. You didn't actually shoot a pilot, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like they they complimented the voiceover and then you immediately said so the voiceover was really good. And then you're like, yes, because I wanted to do the voiceover and she wouldn't let me. So then I took a more managerial role. And it's like, um, but they just said that it was a good decision to have Peppermint do the voiceover. Right. So why would you say that you wanted to kill that? Right, it. as like, opposed to saying it was my idea. Yeah, as a manager, 
it was yes. my idea. It was a you know producing a producer choice. idea. Yeah. 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 Anyways, yeah. So I so okay. What we need next? We need Alexis and Nina gone, and then we can actually have a top competi- competition as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, I, I I would very much agree with that. And as much as I really like, and Nina really came out with mm-hmm. face makeup, but like they said, like the chest makeup, I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed when I saw that. I just went, oh, but your face is so good. And that looks like you just slapped it on 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I did really like the runway challenge. I wish they would do more like historically based ones like this or yeah. movement, like artistic subgenre within drag kind yeah. of styled runways that themes, you know, that, that mm-hmm. this is the, by far the most interesting runway we've had all season. I, I very much agree with that. I And it, it was also something like I had kind of like semi forgotten about like the uh, club kit culture a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really glad to have a little refresher on that and also to see it, um, their interpretations of it play out. And I was really glad to see some folks really zero in and some people kind of go, I don't quite know what this is. And, like Valentina. And in Valentina's defense, she does yeah. have, has no idea what it is and that's that's just kind of how that goes um are you are how are you feeling about the makeover contestants i Uh, think that is hilarious and awesome and i love that they found a way to make me actually care about the makeover this time right because that we had discussed the makeover a little bit so i was curious how you felt about them bringing in the crew to be made <laughs> over. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it in part because it's also one of those things where these are people who probably work on the show each season in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's just like, well, you guys can't get, to, you guys don't get to be nervous or weird about any of this. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Cause yeah. you're filming it all season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good, it's, it's, I had, that wouldn't have occurred to me. Like, when I heard that was who was, they were doing for the makeover, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's brilliant! Because yeah. you're familiar, people who watch the show are familiar with the pit crew. Some people are very familiar with the pit crew, and I have lots of, uh, like, follow them on different, like, the, those those actors and models on different things. But, um, but like, even just as a more passive viewer, like, I'm, I know some of their faces and everything, and, and so oh, watching them no. go through that will be really it, interesting. It's not the pit crew, it's the filming crew. Oh, it's the filming crew. Yeah, it's the filming crew. Oh, okay. I was I, that complete that's hilarious cuz I thought it was the pit crew. That's what I had heard. No, oh. it's the filming crew. Oh, well that's even mm, it's different. They both yeah. would be good. I yeah, said no. next season do the pit crew, but that's that's <laughs> interesting. Cuz right, the pit no, crew have the, experience modeling, so it's not Right. But yeah. It's not oh, as wow. interesting, but no, it's it's the filming crew cuz they actually apparently didn't tell them <laughs> based on based on the promo that they showed after the episode aired mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of surprise faces of like the grips and yeah. the camera guys going oh it's us <laughs> yay, yay. <laughs> hopefully we get an extra stipend for this yeah. <laughs> we're being on-air talent now <laughs> is, is do we get do, is how does this work for our union yeah <laughs> No, that's funny. That's interesting. Okay, now I'm super excited. Yeah, I was so already I'm, very excited, but yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> interesting. Okay, well, any other thoughts on Repulse Drag Race, or is it time? Oh gosh, it's time to talk about the elementary finale. Okay, so yeah. we get yeah, points. Let's do this because we said last week. Obviously, she's in his head. Yes, and then I second guessed it uh, before the ep- I watched the episode. I was you like, did. you know what? Because I saw I saw a picture of the actress again, and and so, and, and I had just been like listening to people talk about Moriarty on some podcast. And I was like, 
Oh, maybe they're gonna they're gonna do like a, a Jane the Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> like she's had some face. Like I like I could see enough like face structure things that they could say that it would maybe be her. Like maybe sure. that's what they're gonna do because otherwise they just need to accept that they will never have Moriarty back on the show. And I don't know if that's something that they're willing to do. So, anyways, I was like, maybe that's what they're gonna do. That might be a little bit more interesting. It's still stupid, but maybe that's what it's gonna be. Um, and then no, no, it's even stupider. No, I think, uh, tell our listeners who haven't listened, who haven't seen this episode, but are for some reason listening to this chunk of the podcast, who is the lady in his head? All right, so the lady in his head is a uh, figment of his young, his younger mom, because that's who is comforting and wouldn't mislead him and would be there for him in his time of need. Because? Be- oh, because he's got potentially a brain tumor of some sort yeah yeah and to which um after i watched the episode i um texted kate with and this is this is like the worst possible critique i can give this is that this was very mundanely melodramatic for this show Mm -hmm. and it's it's not good it's like it's the complete opposite of good and i saw a lot of folks be kind of like very keen on it and this idea of the mystery boxes and this kind of sense of dread around, like, the mystery boxes. And I just kind of went, no, I was just kind of confused about the mystery boxes. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not feeling any sense of dread, as, as good as Miller's performance was. And I, I, I just have real nerves about, provided this gets picked up for an, another season, um, I have real nerves about what this is going forward. Yeah, the idea that Sherlock is now moving towards a point where he can't trust his mind, that that is very interesting, and there's a lot that they can do with that, and certainly there's yeah. a lot that Miller can play with on that. But there are so many better ways to do that than this. I mean, he's if he's talking to a figment of his imagination that he knows is part of his own mind... Um, and setting the brownstone on fire himself. Well, except that he did... It wasn't actually on fire... Right. Because when Jane gets there, there's no fire. Right, it's just destroyed. It's in his head. Like, if he's if he's holding longer conversations with himself, yeah. and still we're supposed to believe that he hasn't, like, that he's thinking he can just not say anything, that's ridiculous. That, is, that doesn't fit with, at least, the way I think they've shown him their to be. Their relationship. And their and, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's just like, cause, especially because Sherlock does all these different, like, tests and quizzes on himself, building up his skills, like the locks and everything. I just figured the boxing was like, oh, he had people put stuff in boxes and wrap it, and then he sh- shaked it, or shook it, to right. see if he could identify was, like, like that's, I just figured it was something like that. So, no, I didn't have a build-up of dread at all. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I really, I go, I get what they're going for, but I just kept waiting for something more interesting, and I, and with, I was even looking um, for it to tie in maybe some way with the rest of the episode, which I thought was very strong. I thought, like, the way that they concluded all the stuff with, with Joan, and I thought that actually worked pretty well. Yeah, I really liked all the Joan stuff. I liked the build-up and the explosion of Joan at Sherlock. The, the, her just general explosion at that, I thought, worked really, really well, even if it doesn't feel entirely earned because of just how spread out and clunky I felt the Shinwell stuff was. 
And I never necessarily bought that Joan really, really cared about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also about larger issues, um, which I think was important to like differentiate. But also, once again, it's just one of those instances where Lou and Miller are making up for script efficiencies through just sheer power of performance. And yeah. that's what happens in that scene. And it's really good, and I really liked it, and I liked how they both of them played that scene. It's just uh, like chef kiss, really good. Yeah. And so even if I, even if it's just one of those situations where I don't necessarily buy the buildup that we got that Shinwell's death is this thing that spurs everything on from this point, I liked how it managed to. I liked everything that came about as a result. Like, Mm -hmm. I talked about this last week with, um, uh, I can't remember the gangster's name, Um, that, how it all played out, and, but Mm -hmm. also just, like, Joan kind of going to, like, a little bit of the dark side to, like, manage this situation in a way that, to her satisfaction, and to get some avenging done for Shinwell. So I liked all of that, and it's a different beat for Joan to play, and I liked that element of it, so... In general, I was really happy with how everything got tidied up, but it also just reinforced my point from last week that although this would, again, work better if it had been a very compressed eight to to nine episodes as opposed to a very spread out 10 Mm -hmm. to 11 episodes. Yeah. Well, we'll see where the next season takes us. Um, Yeah. the, The prospect of Joan in more the lead role... And Sherlock in the more secondary or like supportive role that that at least that's something interesting to shaking up the dynamic yeah. in a way. Um, but yeah, hopefully they will. They just I think there's a lot of potential with this that they can they can draw out of the you know what they've set up. I just hope that they execute it maybe a little bit better than some of their things the execution this year. Yeah, and I, I don't need figment of my imagination mom to come back. Yeah, Ever. never, not again. Ever, never again. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on to our last episode uh, in our week and everything else, and that's The Handmaid's Tale, The Other Side. So so we follow, we, we cut over to Luke, and we're seeing his perspective for the episode, and, hmm, I don't know about you, Noel, but for me, this was a lot of, but but I don't, but I don't care. Ugh, I don't care about Luke either. Uh, this is something I said last week, um somewhat unaware of the fact that we were getting this episode this week. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realize how really um, clairvoyant I was apparently being <laughs> uh, by saying I didn't care about Luke. And boy, howdy, do I not care about Luke. Um, th- I mean, law of averages, they were bound to have a not good episode. Just didn't expect it to be a bad episode. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, so, uh, this, this week's episode is from Luke's perspective. Uh, it starts with the abduction, uh, that opened up the premiere and then we just follow him along for a little while and then we find him in Canada. Well, little America in Canada and to pick up. Which is nice. I like that. That was a neat touch. It was an, it was a neat touch. I liked the little, um, archway that had like the American bars and the Canadian Mm -hmm. flag kind of intersecting that, that, that was a nice touch. In fact, it was probably my favorite part of the episode and, (laughs) and then him getting the note that presumably June had written and passed to the sympathetic Mexican attache. Um, and, uh, yeah, but. Um, the major failing of this episode as, um, quite a few, uh, critics pointed out, including, um, Angelica Bastian. 
yes, Bastian, um, thank you, pointed out is that we don't leave this episode knowing anything about Luke that we didn't already know before. In fact, there's nothing new at all about Luke in this. It's he's a relatively nice guy. He really cares about his family and uh, he doesn't like being shot. And I, I feel like those are th the uh, we already knew the first two things and the third one. I think we could just assume <laughs> as a human being, on the most part, we don't like being shot and we lose blood if we're shot. Um, yeah, it, it's just startling in initially like halfway through it. I was just like, I'm not sure what I feel about this. There's some interesting like world building. And I thought there was going to be more of that. And then there was no more of that. And we just went, well, here's a bus full of plucky upstarts that are all kind of ill-defined and defined by the how they're introduced. Two women, a queer, and a nun. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, this is super fun. And by super fun, I mean really fucking boring. Um, so how did you feel about the episode? Well, it, it's just an episode of how do you imagine they try, you know, got to where they were in the, in the pilot? How do you imagine they escaped? Or got close to escaping uh, about exactly the way you thought, you know, right. like, and none of that could have been done through June's perspective. And in fact, would have been fine through June's perspective. There's nothing unique about these flashbacks apart from where he gets picked up later on. Yeah. And it's basically just a bunch of stuff that you already knew or could have easily assumed and not much else. And it, like, as I was watching this and we're going to talk about another episode that divert like kind of fills in some gaps from a different like a peripheral character's perspective right when we come back from the break um and so in just a moment here but it's did, did i need to know this did this tell me anything i didn't already know well then why no. did i spend an hour of my life on it yeah and i i don't i i i've i think i've discussed this with you before but anyone who had like read my reviews over at uh, tv.com for like as long as i was writing them knows i abhor the use of the word filler like, mm -hmm. I don't I don't like it. I don't think that it is useful because even within most episodes, there's at least some element, especially with more serialized shows and serialized shows that like cross procedural with serialization, i.e. all the superhero shows. I don't like filler because there's always something that propels the narrative forward in some way, shape or form, even if the episode itself is not particularly interesting. This is filler. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing new here apart from Luke getting information that June is alive, to which we all kind of probably went, okay, okay so is he going to be the Shining Knight type of thing? Which, no. 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 Like, that's not what this show is. Please do not make this show that show. Mm -hmm. And... So it's just like, so what was the point in like, as a self-contained unit, there isn't one. And narratively, like arc show wise, we, we won't know, mm -hmm. but it's difficult to see what larger impact this has per se, just immediately. But on an episode level, it's just like exactly what you said. Why did I spend an hour on this exactly? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't have anything else to say about this episode. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that's, there's nothing in here that feels original compared to other stories of flight or, you know, being on the run. Like, 
that I feel like I've seen this episode before, which should never happen when I'm talking about an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Right. And the fact that Luke is so ill-defined that they're, they give him an episode in which to define him, and they still can't define him, yeah. is, really, is really troubling. It's just, where, where, what was the point? What was the yeah. point? And I, I don't think that there was one, aside from they wanted to do one. They wanted, they wanted to do one. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this episode comes off the heels of the Serena Joy episode is also just like, you clearly have an understanding of Serena Joy. Yeah. You don't have one of Luke, and it makes me really nervous if you ever make me sit through one of Whitford or Waterford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't think you guys have a grasp on Waterford. I don't think Fines has a grasp on Waterford. And I'm okay with both of those things so long as I don't necessarily have to sit through an episode about him. Well, and this episode could have been anything. They could have shown, like, the first couple scenes of of this and then jumped to what he's doing now. Clearly, he's involved, you know, in the resistance at some point. Like, he's got, he's there for an important meeting. He thinks it's going to be about something else. Like, what is he actually doing? And then you could, they could have, like, when they they jumped from back to flashbacks within his own, I was like, really? We're doing this? Yeah. Come on. Apparently nothing interesting happened to solidify his concept of the relationship with this woman who still isn't speaking after three years, uh-huh. which is in of itself in, is something interesting, but the show goes, eh, maybe for later. And I'm assuming that's what it is. It's just like, yeah. we're going to do another one of these next season and you're going to get more information to which we all go, no, please, no. Usually no. these are the kind of episodes that... Ex, like shows excel at because you get to yes. really shake up your dynamic you get to see a new perspective and really examine the how much of the world is the world and how much of it is your protagonist's view yeah. um but that is not the case here and i feel like i'm just repeating myself at this point do you have anything else you want to talk about with him still well i just to reiterate and this is also something to like kind of pick up on is um before we go to our next show um is that Handmaid's Tale has largely been really good at expanding its source material. Case in point, Alexis Bledil as of Warren. Mm-hmm. That stuff has been really of powerful. Glenn. Of Glenn, right, of Glenn. Um, has been really powerful and really interesting. And it's been really... And that is that is stuff, like, basically made from cloth for the show. Um, but... Some of the Serena Joy stuff is extrapolated from the book and adjusted and tweaked. But all this Luke stuff is, again, whole cloth because we don't know really what happened to Luke in the book, which is fine given the very narrow parameters in which the book takes place. The show has shown a willingness to expand that, much to its credit and, frankly, to its quality. This is a weird stumble in that example of we're going to expand our source material even more and have none of it really click. And it's just really bizarre to see this ma- this stumble happen, mm-hmm. given how well they did it previously. Yeah, I'm a little more worried about these last three episodes now that they felt that they had the space to or, or should take this pause right. at episode seven. So hopefully we're going to gear back up for a really powerful last three episodes. But yeah. right now it looks like, the, for me, the season started a lot stronger than its middle section. Yeah, and I think that's fair. As much as I really enjoyed the Serena Joy episode is that it's very much a sort of, it was a step back from June. Mm-hmm. And as 
important as I thought it was, it was a step back from June just when things were really getting rolling. Yeah. And I, I'm still okay with that decision, but to have then this episode happen was just a weird structural choice that I'm not sure how they can pay off in any way that will feel satisfying. Yeah. Well, then I think I know your answer to this. What wins your week in comedy, reality, and drama? <laughs> Handmaid's Tale? Ah. No. Ah, ah. No, uh, not Handmaid's Tale. Um, I guess Brooklyn Nine-Nine's finale. Uh, Two-part was really, really solid and plenty of uh, good laughs. And I think it wins just by the fact that after like halfway through it, I texted a friend of mine and goes, Brooklyn Nine-Nine makes me happy. <laughs> and that in and of itself should win my week. So what about you? What won your week? I'll give it to Jane the Virgin and okay. their finale and not, I mean, it's kind of wonderful to not have a Mateo gets kidnapped. They're like, you're like, I'm not worried really about where everything leaves off here. Like, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Kind of a, no, no kidnapping of Mr. Sweetface. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice. So, 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 yeah, I'll give it to Jane. I'll give it okay. to Jane. Okay. Now we'll take a break and come back and kind of continue a bit of our discussion that we're having here with The Handmaid's Tale as we look at our weekend genre kicking off with American God. So we'll be right back after this. Next up is our week in genre, and um, like we said before the break, we're going to kick things off with American Gods, Get Gone, then I'll talk a little Twin Peaks, The Return Parts 1 through 4, then we'll talk Samurai Jack, which had its finale 101, then we'll uh, have our, our, our two CW finales, aside from Supergirl, but more on that later. So we'll, we'll continue with the Flash finale, Finish Line, and the Arrow finale, Leon Yu. So first up is American Gods, and we just talked about The Handmaid's Tale, which took an episode and really focused on a peripheral character. C is 100, yeah. The love interest of our main character's perspective and, and told that and filled in some gaps. Uh, the same thing happens here with American Gods, Get Gone, and uh, we get some backstory. And this is the episode that everybody was most touting when the season started. Did this episode live up to your expectations based on that hype? Uh, well, like I, like I said, I tried to avoid a lot of stuff about American Gods. Um, but when people would talk to me about it that had seen it, this was kind of the episode where they're just like, this was really good. And it was good. Um, for a lot of it just kind of goes down to the fact that as we've discussed for the past three weeks is like the show hasn't really been clicking for me in a particularly meaningful way. Um, but it was nice to see such a really character driven episode um, that I really responded to. Um, and really enjoyed. And it, the weirdness of everything happening 
with when Audrey catches um, Laura trying to sew her arm back on is sort of a terrific acknowledgement of how weird things are on this show in a, in a way that people responding to feels legitimate. And as opposed to this kind of, I don't know what's going on, and but I'm not going to ask too many questions that Shadow has of, whereas Audrey goes, I don't understand how you're still alive, you undead whore. <laughs> <laughs> and it, just that entire scene in the bathroom is the best thing that this show has done, basically, for me. Anyway, so I really liked this episode, even while acknowledging the fact that this is an episode that was, again, in no small part, made up for the show. Like, the extent of what we know about Laura's past, I feel like, to the best of my recollection, is really minimal um, in the book. And to have this whole thing of her coming back to life, we certainly don't get any of the stuff with Anubis um, in the book. Um, just, it makes Laura much more interesting, at least to me, than she was in the book. And a lot of that also just goes to the fact that the woman who plays Laura, who uh, is Emily Browning, is really good, I think. And so I just, I really liked this episode. It was the most wrapped I was watching an episode of American Gods. Um, and I, I chalk a lot of that up also up to the fact that I didn't know what was going to happen or how, what it was all going to be. Cause I mean, I've talked about this with, um, the past three episodes of just going, I know where all this is leading and I still can't get on board with this as an adaptation because it's too straight. And here I get just something very different and I'm very, I'm very interested in what's happening. So I, I really like this episode. It worked for me as a departure from what's going on with Wednesday and with shadow and their whole shebang. And so I, I liked the episode uh, a, a good bit. Uh, how did you feel about it? Uh, I was very underwhelmed by okay. it. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a good episode of TV. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. I'm really confused as to why it, like, people are talking about how the third episode had this, had some, some really great stuff, meaning basically the stuff with the djinn, um, and, you know, a couple of those other elements. And, but then the fourth episode was, like, the best one. Like, the third episode is so much better than this, as far as I'm concerned. It's much more interesting. It's much more nuanced. Um, I, it's a little bogged down by being so plot heavy. I agree. I like the character focus here, but like, I don't care about Laura much more after wa having watched it. And I, it's interesting that she, you know, we get a stronger sense of her dynamic with Shadow basically being that he cares way more about her than she does, if only because she's, you know, she seems, I, I say this with absolutely no background that should allow me to diagnose anyone, but she seems like she's depressed and really withdrawn and unable to really connect to anyone. So it's not yeah. so much about him so much as where she's at. There's some interesting stuff there. Um, but I don't like the, 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 for me, the episode really kicks into place into gear halfway through the stuff yeah. that we get with Audrey. And like, as soon as Audrey enters the, the, the situation that was so great. It was hilarious and interesting and what would you do? It was like the one that the scene that felt the most real of everything we've watched, the most organic of like, if you were Audrey or if you were Lori, like, I don't know what's going on. I just know that I crawled out of my grave and apparently I died. And now I'm now I have super strength and I, just, I, I figure I should sell my arm on. So that's yeah. why I'm here. I don't like 
it's messed up. Like, that, and Audrey's just, like, screaming and terrified and, like, then awkwardly, I guess I'm going to turn around yes. now. Like, what else do you do? You know, yeah. it's like, is is Robbie dead? And just be like, well, yeah, but so are you. So who even knows what's going on? Like, I love that. It was so great. I, the stuff we got at, you know, with Anubis, I thought was interesting, except, again, why is Anubis there? The last time we saw Anubis, it was because the, the person he was, you know, taking to the next life or whatever believed in him, at least as a child, through her connection to her grandmother. Yeah. If Laura doesn't believe in anything, anything. why would he be there? Would, why wouldn't she just blink into nothingness? That would make more sense. And if... If, if all gods theoretically are real based on if people believe in them, there are a lot of gods that their job was to shepherd people to the afterlife. So why is it Anubis? Other than the fact that he's a character later on in the show. So we want to spend time. Like, Maybe it was his turn in the non-believer rotation. I'm just saying like. There's <laughs> yeah, some, no, no. I understand where you're coming from. There's some I issues had the, same the show's thought. having. Yeah. With fleshing out their mythology. The rules. Yeah. yeah. And the rules. And it, I expect better from the show creators. On that stuff. Um, I'm happy to fudge, you know, the mythology or whatever they need for if there feels like there's a particularly important thematic or or character or, or, or like there, there's a really good reason for it. But I didn't feel like that was the case here. I feel it was just like so we could spend some time with Anubis and then, you know, the, you know, we see Bast in the corner of the frame and we like Ibis is there. Like, yes, that's neat that we see them intersect. But, you know, and, and that was some of my favorite stuff in the episode after the stuff with Audrey. But... It's just, they're, they're, I expected, I was hoping for more, I was expecting more. The stuff we get with, um, with her and Robbie, it would have been nice. I, it's, and this may be just be a character choice because she is so closed off and because she is, you know, she isn't really sure what she believes, if she believes in anything, you know, this idea of her being very isolated. Um, but I didn't connect really with any of these characters except for Audrey. And Laura when she was with Audrey. Right. And yeah, I, I mean I was hoping I was hoping for a lot a lot more. And it was it was fine. Don't get me wrong, it's yeah. fine, it's interesting, but it felt again, sort of just like filling time and filling in gaps so that we would have questions answered, like of who saved Shadow and like I, and less about establishing, at least for me, a really strong connection with and, and empathy for and interest in who she is. She still kind of feels like a bit of a, of a blank slate um, or not, not a blank slate. That's not fair. She, um, I don't have a reason why I should connect with her. I, I, I'm interested in her academically, I guess. Right. But not viscerally. And I think that's fair. Like I'm not like particularly invested in her either in part because so much of what changes her is motivated by dying. Mm -hmm. And so she goes from this, as you described, closed off and someone who needs a constant sort of connection on in an exciting way. But mm -hmm. now she's literally chasing a life. And I, I think it's really telling in her conversation with um, Audrey is like, I didn't love him that much then, but I, I love him now. I guess. Yeah, I guess. And, but like she, he, she's the light and I, he's the light. And I like the representation of how they're showing that. Yeah. Um, I, I really, it's much more, it's much clearer than it was described within uh, the novel, mm -hmm. which is very vague-ish um, language that uh, 
Laura uses in the novel to describe what how she's able to track shadow everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the representation of this is good, but I, I I do agree that there's still and part of this is for me is just like it's it was a very low bar for the show to clear to <laughs> create an uh, interesting episode for me. So I'm not like saying. For me, this was the most interesting episode, but this is also a very low bar for the show to clear, as mm-hmm. I've been decidedly unengaged by the previous three episodes. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things where I liked how everything played out, but I don't disagree with any of your critiques of the episode either, mm-hmm. is that they're all very present. It's just I finally had an hour in which I was not endlessly bored and frustrated by what <laughs> I was watching. I was just like, oh, this this is something interesting. And... I kind of like Laura as kind of a slightly more complicated character than literally everyone else that we've met so far. Yeah. And Audrey is just the best thing on the show (laughs) by far and away. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I got scenes with these two characters that I'm at least vaguely interested in. And I I will take that. Thank you. And but structurally, like we were talking about Handmaid's Tale, is that this is, an, again, something created in, almost entirely from cloth in a lot of ways. And also an episode that comes weirdly structurally in terms of answering questions. But just as things were getting going, they were just like, wait, hang on. We need to explain how she got to the hotel room. And it was just like, well, you, yeah, yeah, but did you? Mm-hmm. Did you? Type of thing is... You didn't need to do all of it. You could have just done the whole Anubis part. Yeah. Picked up there, basically. Mm -hmm. And then, or at least the car, the accident itself. And picked up there and just done like half of the episode that way. And then picked up in the hotel room the second half of the episode. Uh, But, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this could have just been an entire somewhere in America type of episode. Yeah, yeah, half anyway. Well, and and for me, the stuff that it was the same as elements of watching Handmaid's Tale this week, where the stuff where I was like, okay, it's exactly what I already know happened. And granted, having read the book, I know that she's the one who's the shadow. People who haven't read the book don't know that yet. Yeah, but it the until we get to Audrey showing up, I felt like it was okay, yeah, I already know all this. I already feel like I understand this enough. Or it's not interesting enough. You know, like, after we got the first, like, the early stuff with her until she meets Shadow, that was a little more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Watching her get disenchanted, like, thinking that Shadow's going to somehow change her life and not understanding that the fact that she's unhappy is not about, Shadow's not going to change her. Yeah. She has to change her. Like, that that could have been really shrunk down for me. Didn't need to be anywhere near as long. I didn't really understand a reason why she was drawn to Robbie other than the plot needed that to happen. I did. They did. That did, what wasn't compelling for me. That didn't, I didn't buy that. Um, and so that could have been shrunk down for me as well. And then we get to Audrey. I'm like, okay, now I actually care again. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was the same idea of there needs to, I need to feel like there's a reason that I'm seeing this and we're spending this time. Um, and the, the parts of the episode that gave me that reason are the parts that I really connected with and enjoyed and was surprised by and uh, would like to see more of in the future. Yeah, and it's uh, it's too bad we're not going to get any more Audrey this season. We aren't? Uh, I mean, it makes sense, but It makes still. sense narratively, but yeah, it's also just kind of like within the confines of the book, she shows up like one more time. 
Yeah. And that's it. But then they don't need to do, follow the book at all. They can just kind of remix and play. Mm-hmm. But they, they're showing a tendency not to do that. Yeah. And though, from what I understand, things get a little looser later. But I'm not convinced they're going to get, like, remixed loose type of yeah. thing. They're just going to get... Yeah, so I'm I'm not optimistic, but yeah. I mean I haven't been optimistic for the past four weeks. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm not really regretting that not actually doing that American Gods podcast that we were talking about. <laughs> that didn't I come together because of our too. scheduling. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, hopefully... we have talked about for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, we'll be more connected with the next four. We'll see. We'll see. But um, let's move on to Twin Peaks. Talk about connected to the, to the next four. I watched the first four episodes of, of this limited series. That's what they're calling. That's 18 episodes season. long. It's a third season. Let's just call it that. Of, of Twin Peaks. The first two aired on Showtime. The next two were put up online. Um, so they could be accessed that way. Uh, and I thought it was terrific. I mean, I, there's nothing like... There's nothing like David Lynch. And you're just watching the show. And the, the rhythms of... Just kind of watch, going like these really long silences and the camera's on one person and they're looking at the other person and then cut to the other person looking at the first person and just like these really long, drawn out, well then. Yeah. Like, that, it's, it's, it, it was wonderful to see. And I, if you don't like Twin Peaks or you don't like David Lynch, you, this is not a show for you. You can try it. You, we'll find out. If you don't know... Try it yeah. and find out. But it's just like, for me, it really captured everything it needed to capture as to what Twin Peaks is. And for me, Twin Peaks, yes, it's this battle of good and evil with Bob and, and all this other stuff. But it's much more about the feel of the show. And the like, the, a guy staring at a, a glass box. And you're like, is something, something happening? Wait, am I supposed to? Or is nothing happening? That's where the show lives. And, uh, yes, there's, especially as you go into the, the third and fourth episode, there's some really crazy stuff that goes down, but, um, and the performances are terrific and the cast is, is, is fantastic. And there's some like really bonkers choices acting wise that I look forward to. If you, if you do watch, no, I look forward to discussing with you, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really nice to be in this world again and, and and I look forward to seeing just to spending that time and don't care about most of the characters. I care about Cooper and that's about it. Sure. And uh I like I have an affinity for, but don't really care if we see like anybody else. So just kind of the the way that the show is kind of branching out to more locations really works for me. The stuff we get with the doppelganger and like finding out what's been happening the past twenty five years, the updates to the 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 Black Lodge and everything all really work for me. Um, the sentient tree is, is not, I love that I get to say the sentient tree um, is, is really, is fun and just weird and that there's no explanations. And that's, that is perfectly Twin Peaks and perfectly David Lynch and Mark Frost as well, of course. Um, and I think they really, really captured, they managed to recreate and capture the essence of Twin Peaks. And that is what is incredibly exciting to me about it. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised right. at all. I expect nothing less. Um, so anybody who, like you see people, like there are some reviews, like a handful of reviews out there of people being disappointed in this. Like, I don't know what else they thought it was. It was like, did you, you know that Twin Peaks, like when they got more concrete and started answering stuff is when 
the network took network took over and Lynch and Frost like kind of pulled away from it and it wasn't really the same show anymore. This is what the show was and this is this is the voice of of Lynch on TV. So, yeah, it's random floaty monsters in in a box or uh lady with no eyes. Uh so, yeah, I I don't really have anything else to say. It's the visuals, the aesthetics, the the sound design, the 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 backwards talking and and just like the 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 ways that some of these characters feel exactly the same and some of them feel um very very different like what there's a moment with with the uh, with Bobby from you know I don't know the actor's name but the character of Bobby and it's just so purely season one Twin Peaks um I'm not gonna spoil it because it hasn't aired yet it's they put it online but it hasn't aired yet um so yeah I think that the way that the show just really it captures what made the original what it was in a way that none of these other you know returns to shows have done which i know mm-hmm. we said a little bit last week but again you can this is this is twin peaks and i look forward to if you do watch it i look forward to talking about it and see what see what you think yeah i was just kind of dragging my feet on it in part because i was just like i don't remember season two at all does not matter and, right it doesn't matter but i was also just like i don't remember season two at all um <laughs> But it was also just kind of one of these things where I was just like, I don't know how super interested I am in it as mm-hmm. like a concept. And I felt like that since they announced it. I was just like, I don't really need this. I have the nice gold box on mm-hmm. my shelf. I don't know that I need this type of thing. And it, it may also just me being crotchety about reboots of mm-hmm. uh, this return show as I as I say this. And we're about to talk about Samurai Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's just one of those things where I just go, I don't know kind of if I care either is one of those things. So that's why, like, I kind of spent all week, even after I was like kind of caught up on TV, I just went, I'm just going to keep playing this video game I'm really enjoying. And I'm not going to, even though I can watch it anytime I feel like it, I'm just going to maybe let Kate talk about it this week. (laughs) Maybe over the holiday, I will watch it and I will have an opinion next week. Yeah. Well, it's more, I feel like it's more of a tone mm-hmm. than a show. Right. And, like, do you want to experience that tone again? Yeah. And if so, watch Twin Peaks, because there's nothing right. else like it. It's not, you know, like, that's my, and that's my relationship with the show. It's not like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. No. Yeah. That's not what the show has ever really been. I mean, like, at, for a while, the mystery of, of who killed Laura Palmer and, like, Yes, there has been an element of that. And yes, it will be satisfying when they give some answers to some of the stuff that happens, which I think that Lynch will. He he does tend to give, in, in original Twin Peaks, there were like definitive answers to some of the things that were going on, just not, they. there are lots of other things that they didn't care about because it right. didn't matter. Like the things yeah. that it mattered for there to be an answer, you'd get some information about. But yeah, it, it, like, there's a, there's, there, there's a scene in a, in a Vegas, uh, slot machine thing that's just like i could have watched that all day long it's the same thing happening over and over again but it doesn't matter because i i could watch kyle mclaughlin just do that scene just seemingly endlessly it was really it's just i again it's it's a it's that tone it's that feeling that of, of unreality and hyper reality at the same time and yeah I just, I just enjoy being... It's, I don't have really have the words for it, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than 
to say that it's a very specific tone and it doesn't really care what you think just mm-hmm. you, surprisingly because they because they have a strong sense of what they're trying to do that yeah. works as far you know like when when care when shows don't know what they are that do, that doesn't tend to work for me but um but no it's just it's just content to be what it is and that's really um when when you're as interesting as yeah. as twin peaks when you're as interesting and creative as as you know david lynch and mark frost then you can be that so um if you do watch it i look forward to your thoughts but for now, I'm just talking in circles. Let's move on to Samurai Jack. And we had the finale, 101. Um, what What did you think? Did, what did you think about the way that we wrapped everything up and the closing note? And, you know, if we do or, I mean, if we don't get any more Samurai Jack, how do you feel about that as a series finale? So I really liked a good bit of this um, episode. I liked how they used the original opening as like a sort of recap slash propaganda video uh-huh. um, from that Aku just made in his spare time um, and broadcast to the world. I really, I, I like that kind of tongue in cheekness of using it that way. I thought it was really, really adorable and it made me laugh. Um, I liked the coming together of all of Jack's previous um, assistance areas and mm-hmm. everyone he helped even from folks that we didn't see when Ashi was wandering around, um, all came back upon seeing this to help Jack. Mm-hmm. And it solidified like uh, one of the things of to counterpoint that the Ashi episode did to a certain extent, uh, but to drive home that idea that Jack's feeling of, feeling of hopelessness wasn't warranted given everything that he had done previously and that everything that he was experiencing in the first half of the season was because of the fact that he hadn't accomplished what he saw as his main mission, as opposed to the fact that he had managed to help all these people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And he didn't take any victory from that and didn't take any comfort and solace that he had made the world better just by doing what he wanted to do. Uh, but also just the fact that he also got warped into missing out his mission, but also not being able to go home. Yeah. So I really enjoyed how they all like came together to allow Jack this showdown to help Ashi. And I, I liked all of that. And then it got to the end and it was just like, oh, well, we're going to double down on some of the stuff that Noel didn't like last <laughs> two weeks. And, and me. Just, and, Kate. And, and Kate. And we're just going to do it. And then I was just like, oh, guys. But then it was also just like, even before it happened, I just kind of went, ah, oh, time travel is a thing, though, guys. Yep. And then it, like, paid off. And I just went, oh, well, that's kind of a very fitting tone for this season. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of liked that it ended both on, like, a down note, but also with the use of the cherry blossoms as a sign of rebirth, um, which is what it's used for within uh, Japanese culture. And so I liked that. And I, so that final shot, I think, worked really well because even if it's a major loss for Jack, and I, I still struggle with buying that concept of it as a major loss, but it's, it's the last vestige of that life and that world washed away. And so he can legitimately start anew. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that as the capstone to what we got this season. And 
sort of like that search to go back home was always going to be grounded in this idea of rebirth and starting over. And so I like that that part of it was that, that it was there. So I ended up feeling really good about the finale, even if, especially in the second half and the last run of episodes didn't really click for me and provide emotional resonance that the previous episodes had and that we both really responded to. Mm-hmm. Um, the finale, I don't want to say made up for, but at the very least gave me some real definitive sense of closure, both narratively and thematically. And I was really happy about that. Um, how did you feel about it? Cause I've been talking for like three <laughs> or four minutes now and I need to stop. Uh, but how did you feel about this as like a finale? Well, first of all, the, like you said, the last shot was lovely and they, they brought back the ladybug, which I'm sure we both loved. Yes. And, and, yes, and, we did. <laughs> and that's, that's the kind of like, I wish the whole season had been that, you know, yeah. like the way that the first half of the season was and, and, you know, significant parts of this finale were as well. And the thematic resonance of, Everyone banding together. I mean, it's the thing we've seen over and over again in these types of narratives. And, right. But it's still very satisfying. And yeah. it also lets them have fun visually. Yes. And, and sort of have like a greatest hits kind of yeah. moment. Yeah, it's very Doctor Who type of, we brought yeah. all the allies back type of thing. Or the goodbye tour that they gave Tenet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, the, the stuff with, again, visually even just the stuff we got with Ashi trying to fight from within... The yeah. influence of Aku was was terrific. The I mean, again, a lot of just, Aku's just such a fun villain. Yes, he's, just, he's very fun, and I like the writing for that character and the way that the character is used works terrifically well. Um, yeah, the whole thing I thought was 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 strong was very strong, and and it was it was a good send off for the show. Um, if we're to believe that Aku is completely gone, which is I think is what we have to take away from her disappearing. Yes. Then that that does you know, like it's always like the thing of ah but are they really gone? They're a spirit, you know. Like yeah, they could they could, they come back all the time. That's sort of what they do. Um, but then if, I feel like if they were going to do any more, they would have to jump ahead in some some time and then have Ashi appear, which would well, mean that he was Aku was back. Right, but even if Aku came back like later, like there's no that uh, there's no definitive that Ashi would appear because of the timeline timey wimeyness of things. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's probably best to just leave it here. Even just to be grateful that it worked. That, that yeah. was one of those like returns that did actually work very well. Um, the again revisiting the show, the visuals hit me so much more this time watching than um, when I first watched. Samurai Jack. Um, I think I feel like I'd have to rewatch to see if I think that just it was even better visual storytelling this time mm-hmm. around, or if it's just I don't remember it as well from the original right. series. And I do wish that they had de- more actively developed the conversations we were getting with Jack and himself. Mm-hmm. It, did, it feels like that sort of just just faded away when Ashi was there. It would have been nice to see that come more to a direct head. Certainly in the episode where he's, like, there with death and everything. Um, I don't know. So, so there are elements that I think that maybe didn't pay off as well as I would have liked when they got more jokey and lighthearted. Um, but on the whole, I think it's been a, a strong a strong season. And it's one that I definitely have enjoyed talking about every week with you. 
Right. Yeah. Episode seven is just a weird turning point uh, in part because he gets the sword back. He reconciles with his emotional turmoil. Yeah. Uh, but then like a large section of the show this season just just disappears. It just disappears. And like you said, it becomes jokey, jokey. Ha ha. We're kind of concerned. And then we have Dean Martin singing Everybody Loves Somebody. And it's just weird. <laughs> and that's that return to one of the jokier elements of the show just ended up not working as well and it just it, yeah it didn't work as well and then it was bound up in this kind of action screwball which worked even less hmm. and yeah but the the end of it i think worked well i mean I definitely think that, to your point uh, about going back and watching it, um, to consider the visuals is one of the things is I think that they just had more time, yeah, for this than they would have had when they were originally doing it, mm-hmm. and so that allowed them to do a lot more stuff um, visually week to week. Whereas I can probably point you to certain episodes where it's just like the visuals were really good that week. But that's because this is an episode driven entirely by visuals. Mm-hmm. Whereas this this season felt very driven by both narrative and visuals in a way that the show couldn't have been just from production cycles that they had to meet. And I, I so I, I feel like you would see really good visuals that would have stood out like within an episode, but not an entire episode that was just visually defined with the exception of like a handful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know that I'm not just making that. <laughs> no, you're you're not because there's 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 just stuff that on like a week to week basis that they just wouldn't have been able to do, yeah. and they were able to do here, and it shows. Even if I feel like sometimes the visuals took a back seat a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but then came roaring back. But then just I will never get tired of the fact that this this finale just went. You know what? No, we're going to let the Scotsman name all of his daughters and we're going to do all these inset shots. <laughs> and they were each different. I was great. Right. Yeah. They were, they all had different names. And then it was just like, no, don't worry. We've got the thing to solve this Aku killer death move. And it's the bagpipes. It's the spiritual <laughs> bagpipes. And it's just like, oh, show. You didn't forget how much I love the Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> well, satisfying finale then for you yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what about the flash and finish line? You called it. A hundred percent called, you know, Iris and everything. Um, yeah. how'd you feel about that twist and, and where we leave the season? Um so as a finale, it was like kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Like th- I'm tired of the flash, but also just superhero shows in general doing scary energy beam into the sky. <laughs> and or port scary energy portal because it's just like this is what every superhero show and movie does like and I, i'm over it i'm done i'm done i don't need mm-hmm. this anymore um and so that savitar's big thing was well my plan b was just to exist for all of eternity it's just like why wasn't that your plan a yeah um that seems like a really good plan a well <laughs> what would that even mean you would still be You'd be right. existing, but you would be fractured, so you would just be alone and isolated. Right, which is what you in every want. moment of that. Like that doesn't, right. it doesn't even make sense. Like it no. makes sense with the wanting to become a god thing. Like yeah, okay, I, I get it on that level, but I don't get it on a because I'm lonely. Like that doesn't. Right. 
And what happened? Okay. What did I miss? What happened that got him to um, where he decided to back out of the actually working with them thing? It was all a ruse. It was okay, all part of his plan. Then why did he go back to Killer Frost and say, I was crazy to think that would work? That they would ever accept me? Like, like. Okay, if he was faking the whole time, fair enough. But then he goes back to Killer Frost and he says, no, I wasn't faking. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, but he tells Barry he's faking. Um, yeah. Yeah, so who the hell knows um, yeah. is basically the answer that I can give you, which is mm-hmm. kind of par for the course for The Flash in season two is who the hell knows. Um, yeah. Also, and- why not Caitlin Snow anymore? Who? Why does she not want to be Caitlin who knows? Who knows? Uh, no one knows because um, Caitlin is not a defined character. Um, yeah. Because the show's like, she's more fun to write this way. But, like, why? She yeah. could be that fun as Caitlin. Yeah, and she you could. You could have the thing kind of blend their personalities. Like, yeah. Doesn't. And which may be what they want to do in season four. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it's kind of a luke, lukewarm sort of finale. And. The basic thing that I took away from this and that I wrote about over at TV Guide was the fact that the show basically finds itself at a snowy wood. (laughs) (laughs) And it can take two paths, basically, even though I'm mixing my um, Robert Frost. Uh, But it can basically have Barry come back and be grim from the speed force. Or it can come back and he can feel really confident and optimistic from the speed force. Mm-hmm. prison because of the fact that he finally fucking accepted responsibility and going into prison is acknowledging the fact that he had to take responsibility for everything even if you're you're scoffing and i understand why you're scoffing but i'm scoffing because the speed force makes sure to say he won't suffer it's like if you can control that then why were you making wally and jay suffer they're good yeah. people you're a dick speed force the speed force is a dick. Um, <laughs> but that's basically where it is, is like they can either have him come back great and confident, which is what I want them to do, because then we don't do this again. Mm-hmm. Because I'm tired of them doing this. I'm tired of Barry ha- not having faith in his abilities, faith in himself, faith in his team, because it's done. It's played out. You've stopped the multiverse from exploding and you've stopped your evil alternate self from causing the big bang or whatever that was going to be. And you, you, the stakes don't get any higher from this point. They just get smaller. And that's something you should embrace show. Mm-hmm. And that's what you should do is like, if you can do half of episode where Barry has no memory and is just kind of goofy and has to go to trial and you can do a King Shark heist with Captain Cold, you can do this every week. And without all the, oh man, I'm really worried about not being fast enough to save my fiance, and I'm going to mope about that. (laughs) And she's like, no, you don't have to do any of that, because you can just be a fun show that has a recurring bad guy, Mm -hmm. where you've already laid enough seeds this season for DeVoe to come back to appear next season. And it's just like, just do that. Just be fun and rehabilitate yourself in the same, by going to prison basically. And so I'll be happy with that. But everything else is just like, everything else was kind of flat. 
in terms of, well, yeah, HR just existed to do this. And I feel really bad for Annie Dudek's character. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Annie Dudek. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like, okay, I'm of two minds. First of all, they were all way the hell too happy at the end. It's like, your buddy sacrificed himself. Yes, you're glad Iris isn't dead, but you should be a little sad about that still. Like, come on. Why are you all, like, just completely happy all the time? We had a funeral. (laughs) No. What more do you want from us? They were over that way too quickly. Um, Also, (laughs) your your good friend is not evil, maybe, but also doesn't want to be your friend anymore. She doesn't want to be who that, that identity and connected to you in any way anymore so you should be sad about that too um so i'm of two minds about that with the hr thing because that all didn't make sense but my thought is maybe the reason that they wanted to kill off hr other than so that they had they could have the cliffhanger of iris dying yeah was so that because he's a he's a force for levity on the show yeah. So my hope is that maybe when Barry comes back, he's going to fill that role. So that's yeah. why they, they're bringing Harry back instead, who's a grimmer, darker presence, because they're intending for Barry to once again be Barry. Which is what Barry should be. Yes. <laughs> and if that's the fact, if that's why, if that's, you know, makes, then if that's their decision, then that makes more sense. I Yeah, I agree. Poor Andy Dick. Um, I don't remember the character's name, but. Tracy but yeah. Brandt. Yeah. Tracy, yes, Tracy. Otherwise, you know, obviously, we're, I'm guessing you are also very uh, happy that they gave Iris an active role where she actually shoots Savitar. But I didn't like that, though, because it's just like, oh, she she shot him. And that's just weird. And I understand, like, the gun showed up, like, episodes ago, so they had to yeah. pay off the gun. Hmm. But I was also just like, oh, but now we're going to have to deal with her shooting some and killing someone at some point. Because otherwise, it's just weird. We, no, no, we need to not deal with that. Well, you no, we don't need to. But I feel like we, if there are any dedication to Iris having any sense of interiority. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. I really hope that, that they don't deal with it because it's not an issue for her. And this is something that I really actually we didn't talk. We're not, spoiler alert, listeners, we're not going to talk about this in our super, uh, Supergirl chat. One of the things I really liked about the Supergirl finale is, yeah, Rhea dies. And, and, uh, and she, she, uh, Monel doesn't save her. Because she's freaking evil and trying to destroy everyone. And sometimes the bad guy dying isn't bad. Sometimes killing the bad guy is the right thing to do and not something to feel guilty about. So, yeah, this guy yeah, could have been her Barry some other like string of events. But he was about to kill um, her entire family, herself, and her fiancé. She should not feel bad about killing him. I really hope we don't have to watch her mope or deal with like processing... like. This is a situation where that shouldn't happen, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. No, I can buy that. I just, it just, it felt weird. To me, it felt weirdly out of character, but it was also partially the fact that they haven't put her in a situation like that before, really. It's very Joe. Yeah, no, and that's, that's, that's the weird thing, is like, it should have been Joe. Or maybe that's something that they can have a scene about next season. Right. And that, that that would be a really good opportunity to have her express that, you know. Yeah. And, and she'll be worried about her. And Barry, too, be worried about yeah. her having to deal with that. And... Right. But, yeah, no, it's a very Joe <laughs> thing. And, like, I understand, like, thematically and narratively why it's Iris. Because she just kept getting stabbed over and over <laughs> again all season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> give her this moment, give her this victory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it because of that. Iris has had like zero agency since uh, that episode. Having her suddenly shoot him is like, well, you didn't do any build up to this, and I I, I need something paid off because of this, basically. Even if it's just a scene, right? Yeah, we we need her to have things to do. Like bridging her for the entire, having her motivation, her be the motivation for the men in her life to care about stuff. Yeah, all season is not is not giving her anything to do. So hopefully next season they will actually oh. give her something to do. And maybe my response to that is is colored by some of the stuff in the Arrow finale, which we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah. Um, but some, you know, I do. I appreciate this discussion that comes up on superhero shows of when is killing acceptable, when is it not acceptable, what it makes you the, the the hero versus you know being the same as them, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes somebody just needs to die. Sometimes mm-hmm. like people like like I'm gonna end the entire world, but if you kill me, then I win too. It's like, well, you're not gonna end the world then. So I like in certain situations, like yes, I don't know what the realities of psychology and PTSD and, and survivor's guilt and trauma and all these different things. Like yes, in realsies. But you know what? We don't have portals that are destroying the entire multiverse in realsies either. So I don't know. I just feel like there are times when it shouldn't have to be a season long arc. Way to really buy into the trolley exercise of utilitarianism. <laughs> well, it's like <laughs> it's 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 that sense of like. Like like the Joker in in with the trolley thing in in Dark Knight, where it's like yeah. if he's got a thing, he's gonna kill two trolleys worth of people. You don't feel bad about killing him. Mm-hmm. Like they don't think that's a thing that should happen. Um, I mean, it might still happen anyways. And then you can have the discussion of the person saying, "I know that I shouldn't feel bad about this, but I still do." And then that's an interesting conversation. But it, I, the issue I have is when shows project the fact that those characters should feel bad. For having, like, defended their life against someone who's trying to kill them. You know, like, anyways, I'm getting, this is way too abstract. Uh, No, 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 it's good, but it's also a really good way to segue into Arrow's finale. Yeah. Since Arrow's whole premise of the finale is that, and since I stopped watching after Black Siren, but I came back to watch this finale because I saw a lot of critics talking about it and calling it bold. And uh, the ending specifically is bold. To which, that's, <laughs> no, really, that's, who is that, saying that? None of I'll, them are dead. I'll dig up that tweet for you. Um, but yeah, um, I want to say it was the guy over at IGN and called it bold, or and I just went, no, that's not bold. If you I, saw them die, maybe, but they're not dead. It's only bold in so far as it's a very big you to anyone who wants to renegotiate their contract in between seasons. Well, but we already know that Black Siren is coming back. Right, next exactly. Year. Yes. And like ugh. and she's on the island anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so the entire premise of this is that Adrian wants Oliver to kill him so as to prove that he is a killer and just the guy he was in season 1, which is accurate given how this season started. Um, and how brutal Oliver was, and also that he killed Damien in the previous season finale. So I'm not quite sure where the tension was with this. Also, the fact that Felicity was totally on board with all of that. Mm -hmm. God, it's no wonder I stopped watching this shit show. (laughs) Um, But so that Adrian wanted Oliver to kill him, but also so that when 
Oliver killed Adrian, the entire island would explode. Mm -hmm. um, because he had had time to plant massive amounts of explosives all over the island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they were attached to a dead, dead man's switch. Mm -hmm. And now I'll let you talk about it, because you actually watched the entirety of the season. So how did this, like, did this build up to anything particularly thematically for you, or narratively? Did it pay off any character stuff regarding Oliver and Chase? Because when I came in, A, we didn't know Prometheus was Chase yet. And B, this seemed like conversations they were already having when I left. So this didn't feel like I needed to watch the other half the season, <laughs> apart from someone explaining to me who the other woman with the canary cry was. That was about the, the sh that, that was about the difference I needed. So please take it away as someone who actually watched the whole thing. No, I thought this was a pretty fun finale. One of the, I think, I think the two parter of the last week and this week are is probably one of the better finales the show has done. Um, I mean, it doesn't compare with the season two finale. I mean, I, they're not going to do better than they, I think, season two on this show. Um, I would be, it would be great if they did. But I mean, it's it's not a surprise that. You, Guess what? You bring back Manny Bennett, and it's good. And it's good, right? I mean, <laughs> right? it's just like, wow, you're a really charismatic actor. And it's amazing how much chemistry you have with Stephen Amell, even under that mask. Yeah. No, like, it, I, when, I, when I, I was going to, because I was a couple episodes behind, I was like, oh, should I skip the penultimate episode because I'm really short on time? And then I saw that not only they bring back, like, a bunch of my favorite recurring characters and actors, and I was like, Spartacus reunion? I have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and I thought that, that these two episodes actually did really work. And, and the notion, I mean, it also helps for me that the show sort of endorsed my perspective on, on, on some of the season where it's like, yeah, Adrian, Tra Adrian Chase is crazy. He's insane. He's like, he's obsessed with this stuff about Oliver. And when we had the chunk of the season where Oliver was buying into it, it was really annoying. Um, so having that get... Um, undermined with the conversation we get with with Slade and it's like or, or was this I think it was Slade it was it was just like okay you're gonna actually have to listen to no it was Merlin apparently a sociopath has to tell you that the, your human connections are not your weak point and you're stupid if you actually think that yeah it, it was it was Merlin and his delightfully John Barrowman uh <laughs> delivery of all that so like like yeah, I, I think it was it was fun. Um, the stuff on the boat I thought worked really well. I think that the having do, doing this big cliffhanger um, with the island exploding is stupid. Um, I'm sure some people will be up in arms and concerned about it, but they're not killing any of that cast in that way, except so, uh, for maybe Barrowman, who's said twice now that he's not coming back. Yeah, so maybe, but no body, so until I see right. the body, you know. Right, no, I said the same thing, because they already killed off Malcolm once. Yeah. So until I see that decimated corpse on the screen with, <laughs> with dental records, right, yeah. I need and, the and, whole and thing. And nowhere near the Lazarus pit, yeah, right. exactly. Um, so, like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i not, the, the, the finale, if, if I was concerned about that, element then maybe i'd have issues with it but i thought mostly it just served to underline the stuff we already knew about chase and and prometheus and and his, his what was driving him in his perspective and and um I, th I felt like the show was behind that read through the finale you know as opposed to there was a while of the season where the show was like agreeing with him 
which was stupid. So uh, having this be more about stopping a crazy, like I keep saying crazy, stopping an insane killer. Yeah. And and the and the the strange bedfellows of that watching Malcolm and Nissa, you know, be bitchy towards each other. Like yeah, super fun. Um, you know, like like they brought back a bunch of familiar faces. They had some some pretty sweet fight scenes. They set up interesting stuff with um Black Siren and and Lance for for next season. I wouldn't be surprised if Laurel, like Black Siren's dad, is dead on Earth too, and that's why mm-hmm. there we got in the previous episode we got like a moment between of her talking to. Him when right after she's like captured him for Chase saying that this is hard for me as well, um and so I, I would imagine that that is but not too hard and not so hard that she won't do it yeah but right. like I, but I could see where that's something they could easily play with next season I loved <laughs> I loved when when Lance just like brains her yeah <laughs> and it's like you know I really had to do that for like so many reasons <laughs> Paul Blackthorne thank you very much for that delivery. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was fun, and I, you know, and it does. It does not hurt that the um, flashbacks have now gone full circle. No more flashbacks, Noel. Oh, no, no more flashbacks. They've already said that they're going to keep doing them, which means no one on the island can die because they need material for those. Ah, oh, son <laughs> of a beasting! Are you telling me that the flashbacks are going to be a time jump, and the flashbacks are going to be them on the island? I mean that's that's actually a really good idea. No, what they've talked I assume about, they would have flash forwards. They've talked about like a weird combination of flash forwards, but also flashbacks um, from other characters' perspectives. Okay, well, if it's other characters' perspectives, then I'm more okay with it. But it's this idea that like oh, they don't need the, they don't need them at all. Those the thing no, they really they, don't. They never have, and they've been the weakest part of the show for everything but the second season, when there was a very visceral, distinct reason they had to be there. Like yeah. And you probably could have gotten away with not doing as many of them even in the second season. But, like, yeah. oh, my God. But see, the trouble I have with the flashbacks, besides the fact that they tend to be not that well-written um, and very uh, centered on, on Deus Ex Machina kind of things for the plot, is that it just builds up all this, like, ah, and I also never told you this other thing that's really important because story's... It wasn't relevant, right. Because we hadn't written it yet. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, if it's from different characters' perspective, at least that will not keep continue to affect the the writing of of oliver as a person who keeps stupid secrets because of the structure of the show now it can be other characters won't that be exciting well depending on who it is that could work you know right yeah anyways Um, so i I I just want a bunch now no no i was gonna ask you something um i forgot what it was though in between everything anyway so what were you about to ask well, I was going to say, um, obviously, I'm much more positive on this one than you were. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, some of it just wasn't context, but also some mm-hmm. of it was just like, I'm glad I stopped watching the show because this isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I remembered my question. Um, why? And maybe this happened in the second half of the season, um, but you can answer this. Why does the show still think that we give a flying f- about William? <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. Okay. The show thinks that we care that Oliver cares. Oh, I, I was just like, why are we putting this kid in danger again when no one cares? Yeah, no, we, we have not seen William at all, but we saw we saw Chase go up to and greet William at the right. very as a tag of an episode, and then nothing until this episode. That's it. Oh, that's Lord. that's all we've seen William all season. Um, but I think it was no, because 
there's that line about Chase making fun of Oliver for being a very passionate, absent father. And I just kind of went, show, you don't get to make that joke because you keep doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, like they've brought, they've brought him up where yeah. with, with, um, like the, the last several episodes, mm-hmm. um, um, Oliver has been having Felicity very like desperately search for William to confirm that he's okay. And mm-hmm. she couldn't find him. And, and the idea being like, if even I can't find him, that means that you did a really good job or like they did a really good job of hiding themselves. Yeah. And actually it's, you can't find him because Chase did a very good job of hiding. And, did Which, and Chase him. is magical. Yes. <laughs> yes. Basically. Um, so, but it's more for me. I, I'm totally fine with that because it's just this, the way that this episode brought everything back to fathers and sons and generations yeah. and fathers and daughters with Thea as well. I love the stuff with Slade talking about how, no, you're just still like obsessed about your dad, your, your dad. And it's like, it's not that complicated. Like, dude, you're not that complex. Like your dad killed himself in front of you. It gave yeah. you issues. Yeah. And the psychotic muscle drugs have worn off. So I'm saying this with a great deal of clarity. Yeah. And I was super fine with that. Like I was yeah. so willing to go with that. So like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, no, we're totally, we're just gonna, because that way we can keep this character and this actor yeah. and this backstory, but not have to deal with all, like, the evil, horrible yeah. things that he did. Right. It's just You're like, looking? it's been, it's been three years, the drug's out of my system. I'm just stay, staying here in this cell, because you don't come to visit me ever. <laughs> and, except that one time when you did, and I did try to kill you and your sister. But the drugs were still in effect then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and that also opens up other possibilities for that character to come back in interesting ways. Um, yeah. Not a necessity, but an option. And yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, oh, my one other question, since this was something that they didn't address. What happened to the rag guy? Did he oh, get yeah. killed? His um, He shielded a nuke from going off. Another in, nuke? Inside the, the city. Oh, um, God. And, and so because, because the rag survived. Right, of course, right, right. But he was like wrapped directly around it. And that fried his, the rags. They, mm-hmm. And they weren't responding to him anymore. And okay. so, like, he was fine and nobody and it absorbed all the radiation. But so he, like, left to, like, deal with that and what that meant okay. and everything. So he could be back at some point. Okay. Um, yeah. I was expecting them to even, like, mention that they had tried to reach out to him or something mm-hmm. in passing in the last couple of episodes. But that didn't, that didn't happen. Okay. No, because I was just like, oh, where did he get off to? I kind of liked him. Yeah. And then he, no one mentioned him. So I just assumed he died. Yeah, um, no, no, but, I imagine he'll be back at some point when they need a similar, like, let's bring together the gang, you know. Right, that makes sense. Okay, but another nuke, really? Yeah, well, and, that, and well, not that brought up significant tension with him and with him Felicity. Him and Felicity, sure. You know. And, right, so, so, given so everything. He, it was, yeah, it was it was a bit of a really, but okay, I get it, and you want to write this character out because there's too many characters, and like, you know, of the ways, I guess I'll let you do it because it's grounded in character. Yeah. <laughs> Th- um, that 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 old that old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about the cast members that you're less familiar with, like like you know new canary lady that you didn't know? And like I don't I thought, have I don't know her. So. Yeah, like you don't have an impression from this episode. No, fair enough. No, like none. Um, and everyone else is like everyone else that showed up was someone except for Talia. I didn't know Talia at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so Talia was brand new, and I was sad to see that Talia was uh, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um. But that made me sad because I like Talia as like yeah. a character, um, not the Chris Nolan Talia, but like the Batman animated series Talia, and also the yeah. comic book Talia. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I was I was sad that she was buying into Chase's bullshit for some reason. Oh, she because she doesn't like Ollie because Ollie oh. screwed her. Like Ollie had trained her. 
Oh, in oh, the flashbacks. Oh. Oh, and then fresh yeah. information that I had no idea. So that explains that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, well, whatever. Uh, but everyone else was fine. I'm still like sad about Evelyn. Cause I really liked Evelyn. Um, I really liked the performance from her in this and the little yeah. bit we got. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really good. And I really liked like that. That actor was really good. And I liked, and I was always like kind of sad that at least while I was watching after she betrayed the team, she didn't show up again. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, well, that seems like a waste to blow your lieutenant character like that, but okay. And she um, did show up in one of the episodes that you didn't watch, and she was okay. very good. Right, and the so that's nice. So, um, but yeah, I, it was just like everyone else, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just really glad for, you know, Nissa and uh, Malcolm to be sniping at each other, because that's fantastic, and Malcolm mm-hmm. complaining about his hand is always lovely, and because... Um, <laughs> Oh, Malcolm complaining about his hand is like the best thing. <laughs> um, or Damien taking pot shots at his hand is also a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was fine. It was but I mean those two characters I just kinda went, ah, uh, okay. Uh but then I was also just reminded like uh as much as I like the sniping between Malcolm and Nissa, I was also just like Malcolm being upset about her disbanding the league and everything. I just went who cares? The league didn't do anything. It had no, it had no agenda. So it doesn't really matter that you, you can, Malcolm, you can go to that desert castle anytime you want, buddy. Yeah. No one's, no one's stopping you from going to that castle that is apparently five hours from Star City. Yeah. Yeah. If that, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I have nothing, I have nothing else. If, if this is really the end of Malcolm on the show for quite a long time, I'll be very happy. Um, I am, happy and impressed that they actually stuck with the uh de-hooding and yeah and like, did, she never like re-hooded no yeah. that's good and, like yeah there was even like a hey want to hood up you know for old time's sake when they were when they were uh doing there, there was a reason that it would make sense for her to do it and um when she was really motivated to stop something um but she didn't she chose not to so uh, she got very little screen time this season she was just off away for quite a while because again right. too many characters um i would like to see more her get more to do the next season. I think the actor has really grown into the role. Yeah. Willa Holland is um, great. She really like grew leaps and bounds after like season two. Yeah. And is, but that requires more like development for her and they have yeah. to figure out what they want to use her for. But, right. uh, but yeah, so there, there's some stuff, structural stuff that I think is, is interesting and has potential certainly for next year. Definitely uh, the stuff like moving Felicity and Ollie, like getting them through, the, the funk thing. that they they're intentional yeah. the, the the funk they put them in so they could break them up um i thought they actually did a surprisingly decent job of that all things considered mm-hmm. i've seen we've seen many shows do that where they've yeah. got a couple that makes no sense to break up but they give a, an excuse and then they get them back together um i thought that that actually was handled decently well and um if they want to there's a lot that they could do next season so okay we'll see is oliver still mayor yeah oliver is still mayor and okay. he's been actually doing a pretty good job as mayor which is nice yeah, and is was that reporter lady killed? Um, that reporter lady was burned and um, uh, I think kid like kidnapped and nearly tortured and oh, then rescued so, and so pretty standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so and I she, guess like, she knows Oliver's the the green green arrow, right? I think that was implied before I left. Um, yeah. I guess my one remaining question for you then is uh, who's the vigilante? I don't care. But you're going to find out next season, and isn't yeah, that exciting? Like, there's only so many people it can be, and I don't... It's probably Thea. No. I mean... <laughs> Just kidding. Like, 
like the, the 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 theory was Adrian Chase, but then Adrian Chase was was from me. Right. So that like, was them faking out the comic book fans. So yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't. I really, really don't care about Vigilante, and I feel like it doesn't make sense for it to any be anybody who has previously been on Team Arrow. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of all the characters there are. So, yeah. <laughs> unless it's the the one cop that we know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, I, who knows? Yeah. I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. Because I, I knew really that was going to be your that. response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, are you going to watch the premiere? Uh, no, probably not. There's not really a reason for me to. Um, but you can tell me all about it. Yay. Oh, to be continued when the show comes back for season six. Um, well, what was your week in genre? Uh, Samurai Jack, uh, just for an entirety. I'll give it like a season achievement award. Uh, it was just really, really good to have the show back and end in a really, I think, fitting way for both the show and for the season as a unit. Uh, what about you? What won your week? Yeah, I'm, it's Twin Peaks, and I have a feeling it's going to be Twin Peaks for the for next twelve yeah. weeks. Well, like I'm, we've, I'm now, I'm now two weeks ahead of what's right. going to air, so yeah. it won't be that for the next couple weeks. But then again, it probably like based on these first four at least. But then again, who knows? This this last like twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen has been full of seasons that were terrific in the first four and then really petered off. So that's true. And I mean, Winona Earp starts back really soon. I think. Yeah. So that might win one week for you. Or we'll both see. of us. Yeah, it starts June 9th. So that's yeah, exciting. Pretty soon. We'll see. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode up at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. And you can also find us uh, in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews over there. Helps other people find the show and know we're not too crazy. You can also find us up on Stitcher. Um, where you can also leave a rating or a review. And then we're on Facebook, you know, like the page, start a conversation up there. Or, of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And you can also find my writing of uh, coverage of Veep over at the AV Club. And hopefully soon, more writing from Noel. I look forward to the next show that, that you cover. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they passed on my uh, my the iZombie D and D tweet that I sent out was a past pitch that they didn't want. Oh so, man, I know well, so, somebody paid old to write about <laughs> the 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 D and D classifications on iZombie. Because we're going to talk about them tomorrow. So and then we're going to talk about them next week. I'm so yeah. excited to talk about that next it's week. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> uh, but I'm also very excited to talk with friend of the show, Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, who's coming on um, right after this to talk Supergirl season two, the finale, and then also just how the whole season has shaped up. So well, it's, it's a marathon episode here at the Televerse. It's a marathon discussion about Supergirl, but it's a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back with Dr. Elizabeth Bridges.
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And joining us once again on the podcast, friend of the show, Dr. Elizabeth Bridges. Welcome back. We're so glad you could join us. Hi, everybody. Um, so, so Supergirl just finished its season. And uh, last week, Noel and I talked about the penultimate episode. We were big fans. It was a lot of fun. Um, we had, an, it was like a, I think a pretty action-packed two-part finale that we ended up getting. And... As far as I'm concerned, I would look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. Um, a really, a really fun, confident way to end the season. Um, however, we, <laughs> however, elephant, elephant in the room. Okay, now that we have, now that we've seen, I'd, I'd like for both of you, and we'll start with Doctor Bridges here, to give your thoughts on the finale and and you know how that all went came together, and then with knowing that they were going here. Do we have any, like, how does that shape your guys' view of the season as a whole and the way that they balance different things? Certainly the Monel of it all, but also losing Kat and having, like, all the Guardian stuff with James. Like, I don't know. Elizabeth, what do you think? How did you feel about the finale? And what do you think about how, like, where this season has taken us? Was it worth the, the, the ride to get here? Um, okay. Well, first of all, um, I, I would like to remark that, uh, that we're beginning this discussion on the same afternoon when there was an announcement about Floriana Lima having limited appearances next season. And, um, given the fact that, uh, you know, we're kind of ending the finale and I, I assume people listening to this have seen the finale. So giant spoiler alert, if not, uh, we have a Sandverse proposal. And so Alex kind of impulsively proposes to, uh, proposes to Maggie Sawyer at the end of the episode, and we don't get an answer. We get a beautiful smile, but... We get a beautiful smile, but we don't get an answer. And so, you know, that kind of gave everybody a little bit of pause, but they're just also like, well, it's a little soon, Alex. You know, maybe kind of calm down a little bit, kind of back off from that. Let's say, you know, she's going to answer yes, but later, or something like that. You but, also just um, jumped off a building while shooting things. Right, the world you know, kind it, of it, ended. It, yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> Kara just, you know, her boyfriend just got shot off into space. And so, you know, she's feeling pretty intense. And then she's Alex. She's just like, Alex, never let her go. And so Alex is like, I'm never going to let her go. Marry me. And so, you know, I get it. Things are pretty intense. But, um, but you know, obviously that's really intense for the fans as well because we see this relationship developing. And so then come uh, today... We get this Friday afternoon news dump where we find out that Floriana's not going to be in uh, too many episodes next season. And keep in mind, we got that news dump last year about Cat Grant, um, <laughs> Calista Flockhart, and she was in what, like two, like three, three episodes yeah. this entire, three episodes this entire season. So you know that doesn't that doesn't bode well. And then um, we have the LGBTQ representation issue, which maybe we'll get into in a few minutes, but. Um, you know, we've heard this actresses exploring other opportunities on uh, news before um, related to other shows on the CW, which shall remain nameless. But I think we all <laughs> the hundred. Um, and so uh, so anyway, this is not good news for a lot of fans to hear. And so that being said, um, this this is where I'm coming from talking about this episode now, mm-hmm. uh, whereas if you had asked me two hours ago, I might have said a lot of different things. Um but anyway, at least felt differently about some of the things that I'm going to say. Uh, anyway, so that said, uh, I, I did really enjoy the episode. I thought it was good. Um, I really liked uh, where they took some of the storylines, um, you know, summing up a lot of things that were happening this season. I'm glad we kind of got rid of the whole Rhea thing because that was uh, frankly kind of annoying. <laughs> um, 
So I'm, I'm glad we got rid of that. I don't think we're rid of Monel, um, although I was not really a fan of that particular relationship. I think if they were going to take Kara uh, in a you know guy girl relationship direction, maybe they should have gone with James as was being developed at the beginning of or at the end of last season, and then she kind of just walked off from that. Um, and so I, you know, I was never a fan of that character in the first place. And I, and just the way they developed that relationship, it, it, you know, he was constantly stepping over boundaries that she placed on him. And, um, it was just kind of the worst boyfriend ever. <laughs> um, like don't tell everybody we're dating next scene. Hey guys, we're dating, you know, and that just being kind of an innocuous example of some of the stuff that he did. And, you know, I mean, she's, it, it, ugh, it just kind of, <laughs> really downgraded the character for me and it kind of took away a lot of screen time from Kara and for for instance you know the kind of driving relationship of season one which was the relationship between Kara and Alex for example and which was kind of a really great thing to see on tv kind of a sister relationship you don't really get that a whole lot and so it was um, a very great thing to see on tv as someone who always is looking for that yes I right cosign all day on that (laughs) yeah and so, you know, I just, I, I thought that was really a wrong move for the whole season. And I think they could have more fully developed other arcs on the show and just not pursued that one. And they could have still kind of worked in the whole Daxamites invading thing, even including Rhea possibly in, in some other way. Um, if they wanted to do that for the finale without having him, or they could have just still had him on, but not as a boyfriend character. I mean, there are so many things they could have done because I, from what I, I haven't gotten that far in the comics yet, but from what I understand, um, it's even in Supergirl comics or is it in one of the other super comics? Like that's, that hasn't been clear to me because I've been reading the new 52 storyline and so far I'm pretty far into it. And he hasn't shown up. Yeah. Monel's Monel's character is um, kind of weird and he's associated with a, a totally different group. From what I understand, that's what I thought because he sure yeah. hasn't shown up in Supergirl that I that I've run into anyway. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm not familiar with the character at all, so I can't really speak too authoritatively on this. But he's he's kind of not really, from what I understand, a huge huge part of their mythos, and more associated with like a future Justice League group. That was that was my understanding. And so yeah. anyway, so he was introduced. I mean, he was kind of shoehorned into Supergirl, the TV show, anyway. And so. I'm just, and it felt very shoehorned to me anyway. So I just, I haven't been a real fan of that storyline this this season anyway, because, and I mean, they could have developed it nicely, but they just kind of turned him into like the douchiest boyfriend in the world. And, you know, they could have given her a nice boyfriend like James, for example, and, um, and, or they could have developed Supercorp, which also would have been highly happy for me, but, um, you know, we can't have everything. Uh, <laughs> that's another topic I could talk at length about. But, we, and um, we will. Never use the Okay. Air. We will. Fantastic. Um, it is interesting for me because, uh, well, I'm curious what you think. As, as someone who's not the biggest Monel fan, to put it very mildly, um, <laughs> I, I've had less of an issue with that um, this season with, with the Monel Carr relationship, if only because I wasn't looking at it as a particularly healthy or ne- necessarily good one. Um, but I gotta say and from with that perspective i thought they did actually a really good job with it in the last chunk of the season it felt like they were responding to some of what the reaction what they were seeing um in as the episodes developed 
and they kind of took a turn in those the last stretch of episodes and i actually really liked that part of this finale i thought it had a it really landed its emotional beats and resonant resonance i thought it was actually really terrific but i wasn't as as anti to start out with so i'm curious what you think about that well i will i will say that towards the end of the season it got a little bit better he got I don't, I mean, I still can't get past the whole he was a slave owner and just like left the lady in his bed on a dying planet, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a lot to have to come back from. And I don't feel like he really <laughs> came back from that. Yeah, yeah. But, Fair enough. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I think towards the, like the Jack Sphere episode, for example, um, I, the, the, the Nanobot episode, I feel like um, th- that one worked really well for me with them. Because they're both, they worked really well together themselves, and they were kind of sort of like the Nancy Drew twins, and they were kind of cute, and they were sort of sneaking around and finding clues and doing stuff like that. And I thought they worked super well together in that episode. And um, and in the finale, I you know they had me convinced for like the emotional resonance. It, it had me convinced for like three seconds at one point, and then she pulled out the, her mom's necklace, and then I was like, oh, the really the very last thing that you have left from Krypton. And it's this thing that your mom gave you, and it's, like, the most special thing that you have. And really, you're going to hand it to, like, douche face? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Really? Well, really? that's how you know he's going to be back. Because like, she'll know, know it's him because of the necklace. <laughs> I know. And that's really, uh, that, that makes me sad. But, fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, but it's just, like, she gives him, like, the most precious thing that she owns. And I'm just like, oh. He really, really hasn't earned that, honey. He really hasn't. But, but anyway, so, but up to up and up until the necklace, I was I was kind of almost sort of buying their feelings for each other. But that just that jumped the shark for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Noel, where are you at with that? I wasn't like I wasn't as okay with Monel as I think you were and uh, Kate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like my ability to get through some of the mon stuff mainly rested on the fact that i think chris wood is really good and really funny and is able to play those beats in a way that is very easy to read as douchey but also come off as just also comedically oblivious um and so there's certain degrees of charm that he's able to play with um that i feel like Allowed interpretation either way, which I think is one of the better things about that character. Um, but that being said, I never really cottoned to their idea of idea of a relationship. Um, I never really got why she was so interested in him. Um, like, I, I don't know what qualities she saw apart from the fact that he apparently is not that bad of a cook, which is a good <laughs> thing to have in a partner. Very much so. But that was, like, the only thing I think that she was responding to. Um, And also the fact that he is totally oblivious to Earth culture, so they can just watch cool movies all the time. Um, And she can just indoctrinate him in that. And that's always, like, the best thing as, I think, um, like, as a media studies person uh, with a... (laughs) Elizabeth knows what I'm talking about. He's like the tabula rasa, yes. (laughs) Right. You just get to go, you haven't seen this? Oh my goodness, you have to watch this. And then we can watch this and this. And you can just plan a whole syllabus for him. And that's really exciting for media studies people. That um, is kind of the, okay, that, I'll give you that. That is kind of the dream, but but yeah, okay. Well, but also he's <laughs> yeah. willing and he wants to sit down with her and watch that. And and 
Like, what do you, you want to watch this old timey movie? I have no reason to care about that, but sure, you do, and let's so let's do it because that's I want you to be happy, and that will make you right. happy. And this is time, and it just, like I feel like it's easy to kind of glaze over that a little bit too much because I can't like yes, we all do things for our partners um, that we aren't interested in, but they are, so we go along with it. But I feel like there was a genuine enjoyment of her enjoyment. Now that's yeah. not enough to build a relationship on, but no, I feel like it's something. It's, it's something, but it's it's not enough. Yeah, um, I won't disagree with you on so, that. <laughs> so that and so that's kind of how I ended. And having like the lightest of Mon El knowledge, him getting sucked into a black hole or the Phantom Zone or whatever that was. I think it was the Phantom Zone. Um, that's what I've that's what I've read. So I'm yeah. gonna go. Okay, Phantom Zone. Right. I I, I pretty much just went. Oh, okay. Well, you're gonna come back because because necklace not, because <laughs> necklace and also because I'm sure that lid poisoning will clear up eventually. Uh, <laughs> He'll come back with like a suit. <laughs> well, you know, scientifically speaking, like it can't stay in the air forever, can it? Well, right. we would and, all die. Right. Lead is well, very well, no, poisonous to humans. No, no, no. Remember, it was a concentration that's harmless to humans, but will yeah. kill daxamites. Totally. Yeah, yeah it, that's how it works. It'll pump him, but it won't do anything to us. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be like a comics thing, right? Like that lead is well, their kryptonite. Well, yeah. I mean, we're just, that's one of those things that we just have to buy. And I'm, right. I'm willing to buy that because I'm a comics reader. I love superhero right. comics. And you just kind of have to go with it sometimes. Well, just make up a – just change it. Don't have it be lead. Make up a new one and put lead yeah. half, like in the, the name or, or something. And like Daxamolite. Right, or an element that is just, in fact, actually not harmful to humans. Yeah. <laughs> Beryllium, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something. Uh, so, right, so that's where I kind of landed on all the Molinell stuff, is that... Gluten. I, do... <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I know some people who'd be very, who would have had really bad days if they unleashed a gluten bomb, though. Fair point. <laughs> So that's kind of where I ended up with all the Monel stuff. Was it was just like I, I do kind of agree that there was a nice buildup of stuff leading up to this moment, and it kudos to like Melissa Benoist and Wood for really selling a lot of the stuff that happens at the end of this episode uh, really well, and I really appreciated all of that aspect of it, which made up for some sins. But overall, I was just I never really understood why. And that was always a hang-up with me um, that I could never quite get past. And then other stuff like the general response to him pushing, overstepping boundaries, like what you mentioned, Elizabeth. And then the Flash episode, musical episode, going, well, all is forgiven. I'm just going to drop a mountain on you if you betray me again. And it's just went, oh, but you said that in such a joking manner. You won't actually drop a mountain on him. And that makes me sad. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, how many times did she dump or almost dump him? throughout the season at, like at so least, many times at least two or three times um, and then i mean how reluctant was she to even get involved with him in the first place i mean not almost super reluctantly <laughs> well i mean but like there were so many people around her going yeah yeah it's cool go for it yeah. and including alex which i was just like girl <laughs> um <laughs> well i don't know i i mean i just never bought i just never bought her interest in him in the first place i mean to me it just felt like she was lonely and everyone else kind of had their own thing well, right. and also and- they managed to find the two, the pairing that exists where McCod Brooks and Melissa Benoist don't have chemistry with somebody else. Like, right. how? They both have so much yeah. chemistry with so many people, but none with each other. Right. 
And that's mm. kind of also where I just kind of landed with all of that. It's just like, you guys really work well with every, literally everyone else, but not one another for some reason. Which is the, the only reason they broke those two up, by the way. Yeah. You really think that? You really yes. think they didn't have any chemistry? Yes. Yeah, I, I, they never really clicked for me in any way, shape, or form. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I Kate and I are very much in the minority, I think, on oh, that okay. opinion. Um, really? But, well, yeah. I, I thought I thought yeah, they I, would have had much better chemistry than her and Marnell, but anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't see it at all. I'm, that's surprising to hear. Because like, usually I feel like I know when I'm out on a limb, you know? Or But but it's mm -hmm. interesting. Oh, Anyways, because um, I even just, I enjoyed him as eggs on, on, on True Blood when in the storyline that made no sense and everything, but... Um, let's 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 transition and talk a little bit about about James and like the guardian and the fact that they really don't know what to do with him. Yeah, and that really showed on screen this season, which I think is unfortunate because I I I like the guardian character and I think that they could have done a lot more with him. But it, the fact that he struggled for relevance on screen, like that was a part of his story, um, it was really telling. Um, you know, that he, he and Wynn both kind of were on the fringes uh, a lot of the season and that they, um, and they were both kind of looking for their place amongst the ensemble, um, you know, both literally on screen, but also, you know, story-wise. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought that they, they got some, they got some better stories towards the end of the season, but at, you know, at first it was just kind of like, where are they even like James, there were, I feel like there were episodes that he didn't even appear in. Well, and how do you yeah, bring Superman in and not have any scenes, really, with Superman and his best friend, James Olsen? Thank you. And But also, you know, and I'm going to blame Monel because, you know, his ass was always on screen all the time saying douchey stuff, and then we don't get any James, who is, like, a reasonable, nice dude who, you know, I mean, maybe that's not dramatic enough, but I, I just think... I don't know. I, there was there was just a lot of misplaced screen screen time this season in general. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and James was just. I, I I feel like the show doesn't know what to do with him at all, and I I sort of felt that way last season a little bit, but this season it was just to the extreme where he's ostensibly in charge of Catco. You would um, think that would that would make him a major person right. on the show already, anyway. Right, but instead he's kind of getting told off by Snapper Carr sometimes, to which I promptly go, uh, that's, would you do that to Cat? No, because Cat, Cat would decapitate you. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> and then fire you. But James yeah. is no Cat. I don't feel like right. we've gotten anywhere near the sense of, 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 of James interiority. Right. from him, or really just any sense of him having a powerful or strong personality in any way and and a lot of that is the writing but at a certain point yes. I feel like 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 we were complimenting chris wood at like making a lot out of some of the really unfortunate stuff that he was given over the at different points this season and i don't know that that we've seen and, and i certainly we can talk about when jimmy jeremy jordan like every time they give him anything he makes he makes it terrific he, he finds ways for it to be really great and i don't think that's happened with, with James, I think they need to do a lot of work and really, I think they need to figure out who he is because every now and again they give him like an episode where they explore mm -hmm. that, but I never really fully believe it. I never feel like we've gotten anywhere. I think the actor has a really laid back energy. Well, that doesn't okay. now, necessarily work. I, I, 
I, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I will get on board with that fully because I mean, think about the Alex episode where, um, where Alex is trapped in the water tank by the douchey guy from high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so James is kind of put in charge of getting this little boy to talk. Yes, that and was good. That's true. Now, he did a great job with that. And I feel like that was because he was actually given something good to do acting-wise mm -hmm. and writing-wise. And But unfortunately, we just didn't get a lot of those episodes for him. I think it was a writing problem. I don't think it was, a, I don't think it was an acting problem. I also think it plays into the actor's strengths, though, because it is a more, like, obviously there's a lot of tension, but it's a more relaxed and like trying coaxing this thing out of the kid it's a more reassuring warm but um called kind of calm and stoic thing rather than a high mm -hmm. energy high octane heightened thing and that right. I, think, I think the show traffics in that more right i think brooks is a really empathetic actor yes mm -hmm. and i when they give him empathy to play he does it really well uh, case in point to with the alien boy um is like exhibit a of brooks's empathetic acting ability uh but the show doesn't give him enough of those sort of opportunities and so even so like exchanges between him and win which were like the bulk of his screen time um have to kate's point a sort of like bro laid back energy that works really well for the both of them but it's they can't find a way for either of those energies to either come together in some sense or contribute to the show as a whole, as opposed to this weird sort of sideshow that feels like they're doing a backdoor pilot every week for a CW seed. <laughs> right. Right. And, and that's what I mean. I mean, they just didn't give him anything really meaty to work with. And so, yeah, you just kind of like sideline both him and win kind of the whole, the whole season because they just sort of have this side thing of like alien girlfriend and guardian. Yeah, that doesn't really do that much interaction with the other storylines, except for on occasion, it kind of tangentially does. Yeah. And I may be in like the weird minority with this, but I was kind of okay with Wynn being a little sidelined this season insofar as part because Jer Jeremy Jordan makes like nothing, something out of nothing pretty much every week. Mm -hmm. um, but also just the fact that he never... I was okay with him not fitting into certain things. So it, for me, it meant like more time with Lena or with um, Lillian to certain extents, but also time with uh, Alex and Maggie. So that there wasn't of, enough of that, unfortunately. There wasn't <laughs> enough of that either. But I, of the people to sacrifice, I was okay with Win because th that dynamic just they weren't quite sure where to put him either. But it was because it was that kind of tech support narrative narrative forward role, which is allows him to have relevance within an episode where James doesn't even have, Hey, I can fix this sort of situation that Wynn has. And well, because so, Wynn, Wynn works at the DEO. And so right. automatically he's going to have something to do with whatever right. thing is going on involving the DEO. Yeah. And so he's not as side, but I mean, I mean, James, they just really sidelined him. And yeah. I think, I think again, I think that was a writing problem. It's interesting because yeah, for me, I like I see him and I see Snapper in the newspaper. I don't believe James as a newspaper guy at all. At least this kind of like fast paced, like get the news right as it's coming out and hunt down the story. Like I see him, like I don't, like I don't believe the energy 
at all. When I see those two the interacting, of course Snapper is that guy. I don't... Why isn't Snapper in charge? Snapper feels like he should be in charge well, instead or of James. James. Or why is James not the cool, collected CEO type who just makes decisions? And yeah. is, you know, like, yeah. why is he not... Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, let's... I want to end with um, Maggie and with Alex and because just like all the love and they needed to have more of them. So first, before we get there, let's quickly pause with um, what we got with Jean this season and, and also, of course, McGann and then Kat. So thoughts on those three. Well, I mean, what little Kat we got was great, obviously. I mean, you know, she's, she, you know, she's, I mean, she's, in a way, we, we, we get these little moments of her, of her, you know, introspection or whatever. And it's, it's a little bit, I mean, you know, she talks about going to Bhutan or whatever, and it's a little bit eat, pray, love, and a little bit stereotypical. And I was kind of like, eh, okay, um, you know, and she kind of gives the trite advice. But of course, you know, we've all had that person in our life who gives us the trite advice at just the right time and we needed it and it actually helped. So, um, you know, I, and I mean, Callista Blockhart, I mean, you can't really, you can't really fault her. I mean, she's, she's pretty great. She's terrific. She, I never thought yeah. I would be like, I can't wait for Callista. If you had told me a couple years ago that she'd be one of my favorite characters on the CW show, like, come on. Well, I mean, she's just larger than life. And, and I think it's good that they put her with, um, with Linda Carter, uh, there in the finale because I mean they're both just these larger than life figures that played these iconic characters and uh, and to you know put them playing these other kind of iconic characters together on a show I mean you you can't really go wrong with that yeah and one of the things that really stood out when Kat comes back is the fact that she was a hole that they never filled in the show um, that so much of what was really enjoyable about season one was part of the Belanti sort of formula in which our plucky hero has a mentor that helps them in some capacity. And they never filled that issue when Kat left in season two. Like, Kara has no one to... Kara never goes to anyone, really, uh, for, like, advice too often. Like, Alex sometimes... Um, but that was about it. They never really filled it. And Flash kind of did the same thing this season because there were significantly fewer Joe and Barry talks this season. And I was very upset. <laughs> but they never had that. So when Kat comes back for two episodes and we have balcony talks and we have office chats, it's just like, oh my God, I don't care that the advice is trite. I missed the fact that there was this dynamic that helped guide car's decisions and her help adjust her compass when it needed adjusting and, and, and you, you yeah you make a really good point there because also at at, at some point cat mentions that Kara's on her hero's journey or whatever and actually yeah. actually mentions uh joseph campbell and right and that is like a hero's journey character advisor character for the hero right exactly it's just yeah like, the mentor older figure is part of that journey when you don't have that character, when you don't have Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> or Dumbledore or... or Dumbledore, pick any other version of the hero's journey that's been done to death at this point. Um, that a, a whole chunk of your character's journey gets lost and you feel an absence for sure. Right. And in part, and to both of your points, the fact that the Flockhart plays cat is so larger than life that you don't even try to find some sort of mentor 
as a whole, like Snapper sometimes, Alex sometimes, but no one that's you really Nobody's feel... Nobody's going to fill that. Right, and there's no steady hand at that wheel. And suddenly she comes back and everything's right with the world in mm -hmm. terms of how the show functions. And it's just like, oh, you guys just need to back up a massive Brinks truck to Calista Flockhart's door and also maybe promise to pay for all of Harrison's <laughs> bead for the next year <laughs> to get her to stay in Vancouver mm -hmm. <laughs> so that she just stays and your show will function again. Um, is kind of what I need. Um, but that's how I feel about Kat is just, it was lovely to have her back. And like Elizabeth, your point about having her and Linda Carter play these both different wave feminist icons on other shows, come back and play these very powerful women characters on other shows. Um, this one show is just, it was lovely. And I, I, I just wanted more. I, I, I just wanted, I wanted their conversations on Air Force One before Reyes showed up. <laughs> and just as a web series, I want that, want that to happen. That'd be great. Another aspect of having Kat back, because there was a time, Noel, at the beginning of the season where after Kat left, we were, we were surprised that the show seemed like it was handling her absence right. really well. And like, I was like, we are, I don't miss Kat. That's that congratulations show. That's very impressive. I think that they lost their way after a while. And when she came back, it highlighted how much, certainly in the second half of the season up to these last stretch of episodes, they've needed her. But what she contributes that they did not find space for, they found space for Lena. They found space for another um, another woman for Kat, uh, for Kara to be talking to and, and, and confiding in and another female relationship for her to develop, which I think was very important. If they had Kat there, I don't know if we get those that same commitment to the Lena sure. friendship that we got when Kat was there, filling more of that conversational role. But when as soon as Kat is back, what it really highlighted to me is just the power, the sheer power that cat brings and that that Calista Flockhart brings to cat mm -hmm. there's never a question of her of her of just her, how powerful a personality she is and it's this very very different portrayal of power that we've been missing on the show yes we have Lena the brilliant scientist and you know that I loved everything we got with you you raised me to be a scientist and and like that's mm -hmm. how she most identifies I love it we need more representation of of women and definitely also people of color and and queer people and underrepresented groups in stem fields and other like you know hello silicon valley <clears throat> but um so so like <laughs> yes. we've had that with lena both the show and the actual valley yes yes, indeed. yes both um but we haven't like supergirl in kara we i really like the episode that we already had mentioned where she's actually reporting about stuff because most mm -hmm. of the rest of the season she's pretty much just been punching stuff and so, True. And, and when she's trained, she's taken Monel under her wing and, and training him and trying to help him be a hero and all these different things. What that leads to is more scenes of her punching stuff. And, mm -hmm. and it really steers her focus towards that. When Kat is back here, all of a sudden we're in the Catco offices again. We're talking about the power of media, the power of words and negotiation. And yes, it's wonderful that we have a badass battle royale between two very powerful, physically powerful women. But if you look at the show, you've got McGann, fighter. Alex, cop, fighter. Maggie, cop, fighter. And in Kara, Lena, scientist, Kara. And when when Kara's spending all of her time 
punching stuff, you really lack the diversity of different representations of power and what that can be. And that was one of the big things that stood out to me in this last these last couple episodes. Fully agreed. And we actually haven't really talked about Lena yet. Lena and, and Lillian and that whole relationship and kind of that whole side to the season. Because that, that has actually played... A, I mean, although it hasn't had a lot of screen time, I mean, that has, that has certainly played a role in a number of episodes. And that's been... A pretty fascinating what started out to be kind of a side character but has has turned into kind of a and i mean from what i understand um uh katie mcgrath is going to be a um, a regular on the show next season mm-hmm. yeah so obviously that's that's going to continue in yeah. some manner how how great is the like a lillian rushing over to push to start the bomb and, and lena be like i mean mother I've met you. Of course I didn't. This isn't the trigger. Come I on. <laughs> I loved that. That made me so happy. Uh, <laughs> well, the fact I, that she gave I, it to Supergirl. <laughs> I, I need Lena to not fall for her mother's thing. Because I really like the way they've handled that so far. And if they just back it back into, well, but you're still my daughter. The, like Malcolm Merlin style with you know, Thea and Malcolm on, mm-hmm. on Arrow, I'm going to have a problem with that. I think it's much more interesting if there's this awareness of not, of, of Lena, that she can't help herself want and crave the, the father, or the, sorry, the mother. The, I was thinking of, of Thea, but the, the, the mother that she never had and that every now and again, Lillian shows her maybe she could be. I, I think that tension McGrath plays really, really well. But if mm-hmm. we're supposed to actually start rooting for them and like actually care about Lillian, I'm going to have a problem. Yeah, same. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. At first, when they first introduced Lena Luthor, I was just kind of like, who's this? You know, she's kind of this just like completely expressionless CEO type. And then, um, and then when they started getting into that relationship, and you start kind of seeing her sort of at these behind the scenes moments when she's not supposed to be the CEO, and you kind of you see her drinking, and you see her kind of staring off into space, and <laughs> and um, and those kind of moments, you see, and then you they have the episode where it introduces a little bit of her backstory, and then you go, oh, wow, yeah, she's really had a hard time. I mean, yes, she's the CEO of the company, and I'm presumably a billionaire or whatever, but at the same time, you're you know, you find yourself going, oh, wow. Like, yep. you know, like she's, it's probably really lonely. Yeah. She's a CEO by default because her yeah. adopted brother's in prison. <laughs> because he's crazy. Yeah. Right. He's Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of what we were saying. We would like James to have been at CatCo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, as listeners know, I'm, I'm a big super core. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm, you know that, that it didn't really it didn't really hit me at first, but I, right, I, I remember. You know, I saw right. people talking about it, and then I watched. You know, there were a couple of episodes where I was like, "Huh, I can kind of see it." You know, and it's kind of the, the, this sort of friendship, but like it, it's a really intense friendship where you're like, "Huh, I guess I could see it going other places potentially." And then I feel like after it became a thing on the internet, I feel like the actresses may have played that up some. Yeah. And in mm. particular, the 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 lunch date, where yeah. where oh, Lisa, I, mean, I have never looked at a regular friend like that. I'm just <laughs> gonna say that they need to stop biting their lips around each other. Yeah, the lip bites, man, and just the like the heart eyes. Like there are a lot of heart eyes going on between both of them, and it's I you know I don't give the heart eyes to people well now anymore. People I'm not married to, but um, <laughs> but you know I have never known myself to give the hard eyes to people I was just regular friends with. <laughs> I will I will say the finale and that that 
like scene of Kara and Monel in bed um, was the first time I think I felt as strong a connect where I was like, I get it. Why haven't we been seeing this? Like the way that she was in that scene acting around him was like, that's the way she acts around Lena all the time. <laughs> no, well, that's, that's I, very I, I get a little bit, I get a little bit pissed about heterosexual sex scenes. I have to say, and it's not because, you know, they don't get to have them. They shouldn't have them, but like, you know, we've had, for instance, uh, Sanders all season and they've had like a couple of chaste, poorly lit kisses. And then, um, and then like the very first time on L and, um, and Kara declare their feelings for each other. They make out and fall into bed. And I'm just like, really, really? And so, and meanwhile, like, we're just all hanging on to, you know, this little kiss here and there and little like glances and stuff. And I'm and just like, you know what? This... Indigo girl t-shirt. Yeah. And yeah. Or, or, or bare naked ladies or whatever bare, it was. Bare and, naked ladies. Yeah. Which naked. that was a funny joke. I have to say. It was. They, 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 they say bare naked ladies like 45 times in that episode. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and like do, do the younger fans even know that that was the name of an actual band i don't know maybe um, yeah I mean, they, they did the big bang thing theme song so maybe okay yeah maybe. I, yeah I guess, I guess i guess they might know that but um but yeah anyway so it, but i mean you know it's just like we get these two little you know two minute snippets of screen time where they might kiss each other they might not and it'll be for like two seconds and then and then it, very poorly lit every single time yeah. And so and then it'll cut off right in the middle of it. And and then we get like this like minutes long make out like bedroom scene and stuff and I'm just like, you know, that's homophobic. Sorry. Mm. Well, but... they get a lot of romance but not a lot of actual physicality. I will say though <sighs> that I really I very actively noted and was very very grateful and happy that when we had the Alex episode and she they save her or I think I think it was that episode. There's certainly it was at Alex in peril. The first thing she does is walk straight to Maggie and kiss her smack on the on the mouth. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so yeah, so I, was... I think I was very grateful they at least did that. But yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. If the only if they they gave them this really sweet, beautiful Valentine's Day episode and then just had them like kind of hold each other and sway a little bit. It's like come mm-hmm. on. Well, that's the thing. It's like you know, gay characters like they're always either like super over sexualized or really chaste and i'm just like could we just have like normal in the middle like everybody else like that would be okay i'd be cool with that <laughs> we got lots of like clearly breakfast afters you know like right right and i mean we know that was happening i mean and and like like alex being all giggly like oh maggie spent the night last night and and i mean i know it's a family show or whatever but if it's a family show then why are you showing like a car sleeping with Monel? and anyway but Anyway, let's, well, let's let's talk. Let's talk about. Uh, I don't feel like we need to really say much about Jean and Megan, right? Well, I mean, we could because I really like Jean. Uh, Megan was just not on enough, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, they have too many characters, so. Yeah, I mean, well, like like Jean being the Papa Bear, mm-hmm. at, at you know, and when he comes back, to, uh, you know, when he comes back from his coma state, whatever he was in, and wins like Papa Bear. I mean, I think that's kind of indicative of his character as a whole. Like he's just this like comforting presence who's there to you know be there for everybody and and i don't know i mean that's kind of how i see him on the show is like this father figure who always knows the right thing to do and 
they really neuter his abilities though because he's a yeah he's way but, more powerful than they show he should be like yeah, phasing can, into can... everything and punching everyone well, well and also like it's okay and let me just say in the alex episode where couldn't he have just read rick malvern's mind and found out where where alex was being kept I mean, they, no, he tried they, and it didn't work didn't oh. work right oh, okay. he, he the, the high school the high school jerk had somehow a knew knew about him as a martian mm -hmm. b <laughs> knew that he had telepathy and C had somehow trained himself to resist Martian Ugh. telepathy. Yeah, pay so, no attention oh. to this gaping plot hole. <laughs> well, sure. oh, so this is an issue, but the lead bomb's not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> okay, no, um, any, any, any Jean thought? I mean, I like what they set up in the finale for next season. I think there's a lot of potential there. Well, I, th I think he certainly could have been utilized a lot more, and especially for his, his powers that he has, and Hopefully they'll do more with that. Yeah, the the power sidelining of John just reminds me of the, that. It does not surprise me in any way, shape, or form because that's just what kept happening on Justice League, mm -hmm. um, the animated series. Because he's too Martian Manhunter has far too many powers, <laughs> and he's too can't good. Can't keep at up everything. with them all. Yeah, right. So it's just like, well, yeah, obviously he's going to be in a coma just when they need him the most, because um, that's just how this works. Um. As far as, like, I really like him as, again, like, the Papa Bear, I think, is really appropriate. And David Harwood really brings that energy. And I really like his kind of dry wit that they've been bringing out him in, in him more. Um, as for the Magan stuff, I just kind of roll my eyes and go, I don't really like this very much. It, 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 I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that I feel like she was significantly younger than he was, but there's yeah. not that much of an age difference between the two of them in real life, as I found out. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like at least five years, but there's five years type of thing. I just went, oh, so she's not super young like I thought she was. <laughs> Um, yeah, she cause... looks very. She looks a lot younger than him, and and I'll, even it's probably just that I've been watching that actor in a lot of things for a long period of time. Yeah, and she's new to me, so that's probably all it is. But yeah. yeah, well, I was just like, they're both Martians, and I don't know how old they really are, so like their appearance of ages doesn't really matter to me. And frankly, <laughs> how many Martians are there on the planet? At a certain point, you gotta yeah. widen your dating pool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's... <laughs> Sorry. And you I'm broke just, Elizabeth. I'm just, Congratulations, I'm just picturing, Kate. Sorry, I'm just picturing Martian Tinder. I'm, I'm picturing Jean's like, yeah, his his OK Cupid page and like some some like pictures Win is taken when he wasn't looking, you know, and set up a mm -hmm. profile for him. I feel like that could be a lot of fun. Um, okay, <laughs> though, anything else, Noel, that you wanted to touch base on with that, or should we we talk move on to Alex and Maggie? No, Alex and Maggie. Let's move on to Alex and Maggie. They're wonderful. I love them. And I'm really sad that we're not going to get more Maggie next year. And well, I, so their stuff was some of the best stuff all year. Well, their stuff was some of the best stuff I've actually seen in terms of LGBTQ rep. Because, for example, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a storyline where somebody came out in their, like, not teen years, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, for me, for example, like, I came out in my early 20s. And so... It was kind of really refreshing to see that because, like, this situation of being an adult but having all these, you know, buoyant teenage feelings that you've never had before and being like, what do I do with these? I'm a grown-up with a job. And, you know, that was that was really cool to see portrayed on, on screen. And, um, and I thought they did a really sensitive job with that. And it just seemed almost 
incongruent with all the things that were going on with Supergirl at the time and the Monel relationship because that was just so opposite of the the relationship that they were they were developing with with Alex and Maggie because that one was so nice <laughs> and and good and and you know I mean they had their little bumps in the road here and there but they were kind of normal bumps in the road and like you know they worked through them and all that kind of stuff and uh so I don't know I I the news that came today, I'm just like, holy crap. <laughs> like, please, please don't kill Maggie because then I'm going to have to like, oh yeah, dike- I'm just going to have to go on a dike rampage and, and like stomp the city or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, I can't um, like, like if this, if that hadn't even occurred to me that that could be what, like why she's not going to be in a lot of episodes that, that hadn't even popped into my mind because the show has gotten so much positive praise for their representation. Well, here. so so did the hundred. I mean, they That's they true. were they were honored by all kinds of, of you know all kinds of queer press and I think they I don't know if they won an award, but they certainly got a lot of good press for that and, and ate up every bit of it and, and you know, were really happy with that publicity and I know that um that Supergirl has been the same way. I mean, you know, they won a GLAAD award for their portrayal of Sanders. And, uh, you know, Tyler Lee has been, like, beating the drum for them about, uh, you know, the portrayal of that relationship and has gotten a lot of accolades herself. I know Floriana Lima has not been as vocal about it, but she certainly has, um, you know, been open, openly, you know, cool about it in interviews and stuff. So I just I don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna play there because if she's in a limited number of episodes, you know, I mean, I guess I mean I guess they could recast. That's some something they could do, or they could, uh, you know, move her to Metropolis or somewhere and have it be a long distance relationship, which would be completely bogus and sad. Yeah. <laughs> and and like not something I really want to see. Um, you know, they could have her be like, no, on the engagement and they break it off or something, which would be really shitty. Although might open up for her to pursue something with Selena or something, which would be interesting, but mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, there are a lot of ways that they could do it without killing Maggie, but if they kill Maggie, I'm going to fucking go ballistic. Sorry. Can I cuss on your show? Please do. Um, we can always, okay, we can always bleep if need be. No, I will go for it. go ballistic if they, if they do a barrier gaze, I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, the CW has already done that in the most egregious way possible. And if they do that again with like, with like th- the good relationship that came down the pike to, um, that kind of like saved 2016 or whatever. And, uh, if, if they do that, I, 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 well, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. I really shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but the you only know, show that I feel 100% certain we don't have to worry about that on is Winona Herb. Winona Herb. Herb. <laughs> yeah. Herb. yeah. Oh, man. No, no, funny, you yeah. should, funny you should mention Winona Herb. I'm right in the middle of a, of a um, recap series from season one, uh, sort of a countdown to the release of season two. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Anybody want to check that out? Actual good <laughs> positive representation where we've had word from the actual showrunner that they're not going to kill any lesbians or Mm -hmm. um any queer ladies yeah um, (laughs) sorry no 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 no. it's important it's important and like it shows again that i haven't i'm new to this i have that never that never occurred to me that that the show would do that and i mean you realize like the very first time they introduced alex as a lesbian all of us fans were just like all right watch look at our watches when are they going to kill her mm-hmm. i mean honestly because i mean that's that's what they do 
you know, every time, every time, a, I mean, that's why Emily Andrus actually said in an interview, we're not going to, we're not going to kill Officer Hot. We're not going to kill Waverly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we were all just like, oh, shit, should we even bother to watch the show? Yeah. You know, and so, and so that's, you know, that was kind of a really, it's seemingly risky thing for her to do to just go ahead and announce we're not going to kill these characters. But on the other hand, um, it was guaranteeing that people would actually watch the show. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, it would actually be a really smart move if now that they've announced that, that they, that they mentioned that they're not going to kill Maggie. Yeah, but of course, but of course, CW does not care about its queer fans, so they probably That's, won't do that. That is very, very true. That is very true. Um, t- looking at at Maggie this season, I think one of my favorite things about what they have done, like with the writing for Maggie all season, is that it really added context and greater depth to season one. Because as we got mm-hmm. to know Maggie, oh, sorry, Alex, I should say Alex in season one. Um, I thought it was a really, a really, like, it was, like, one of my favorite parts of the show was her relationship with Kara, and, and she was badass at work, and, and, like, she was, seemed like a really, um, like, a very different person with, when she was in sister mode versus work mode, and then they were mm-hmm. trying to do that really unfortunate love thing, like, dynamic with, with Maxwell Lord. With Maxwell Lord. Yeah. It didn't work at all. And so when they ha- decided to, to reveal that she was gay and that she had been, like really pressing that this stuff down, it made so much sense. Like the, the mm-hmm. like her seeming shut off and her like seeming like she feels like she's supposed to be like in having some dynamic with Maxwell Lord, but it doesn't feel right. Like mm-hmm. they they took this character that they said, okay, we need to fix some of our characterization here. There's parts of it that don't quite work, and we need to flesh out this character. What would make sense? Oh, she's dealing. She's been shutting down part of her personality for mm-hmm. her entire life. Let's explore that, and it just made the character make so much more sense and click in and to like take it to like a whole new level. And the writing and the acting has really helped with that. It's really, of course, come together to to make a really, I think, very strong performance throughout throughout this past season. Um, I would love if they if if. And there's laying the groundwork for that with Supercore, but they're not going to go there, probably. No, no, I'm sure they won't. I mean, they're, I'm sure they will hint at it continually because that's what they've been doing. But um, no, they probably won't go there. But I, you point well made about um, what they did with Alex's character because, I mean, that, and that's what I mean about how they did such a fantastic job with that storyline because, you know, it, it, yeah, it really did give us a lot more depth to that character. And I, that's why I think, that that portrayal was so realistic because I mean that I mean at least for me personally that it really resonated because I mean that was kind of how it unfolded for me because I just had this whole side of my life that I just ignored basically and was kind of just like well I guess that's not for me you know Mm. and um and then all of a sudden I was like oh crap well I guess it is (laughs) and uh and and hello Mrs. Prof. Well, I mean, Mrs. Prof was way down the road after I but, came out, yes. but, um, but eventually, hello, Mrs. Prof. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, I just, I, they really did a good job with that portrayal and it just, it shocks me that they could do such a fantastic job with that, but then completely drop the ball in other areas. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Alex or, or, or Maggie Knoll? No, just that this show's done very well by them overall. And we talked about this a little bit when Alex came out and a lot of what um, Elizabeth said, you and I had discussed as well, just 
the difference of it in terms of age, but also in terms of the honesty that it had, the 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 realness of how she came out and how she phrased it in a lot of instances felt really legitimate and felt truer than a lot of other sort of coming out stories sometimes do. And it's not necessarily done in the most dramatic revelatory sort of way on this show, which is again, another really good thing that they decided to do was make it a little slower. And to your point, Kate um, recontextualized a lot of the, just oddball energy she had with Facinelli in season one. And in as much as they kind of went, well, we were going to do this in season one and we just kind of ran out of time. And I kind of go, sure you guys were. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I bet you were. Um, but that the, the, they realize that this is something they could do. So Lima going to a recurring status is disappointing, to say the least. Uh, but uh, I just, not knowing how much of that is Lima's decision in terms of wanting to do other things, or how much of that is the show's budget going, well, we elevated one person to a series regular role, and I guess we're keeping Chris Wood? Have we made a decision on that, guys? Nope. Okay, so we're just going to keep them. Um, that kind of a thing, where all of that is deciding to come from. But it, it makes me a little anxious, but I, I feel like they they won't kill her. I don't want them to. I, I, much, I know. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I know. Saying dude is perfectly acceptable. Um, but I mean, I, I want to I feel that way, but right. I, I don't want to set myself up. Right, and I, I, I don't want to set you up either. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not crazy about it, but the the type of relationship that they had and how it was depicted, I thought was really great. Even if it was done in this overly chaste sort of manner, the realness, again, is something I kept going coming back to with like them having squabbles over concerts or over how we handle Valentine's Day as a Absolutely. couple. Or how we handle you stupidly inviting my ex over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> which could why actually would, happen. I mean, so which, much extra drama. Happen. Right. <laughs> and, but why would you do that, Matt? Why would you do that, Alex? That just seems like a really dumb idea. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it made for good sort of character stock. And I think that's what it was. Is like It was a number, uh, it was a chain of really quiet, realistic sort of engagements that they had with one another that I think even if it wasn't enough screen time it was the right kind of representational screen time oh yeah that that I really appreciated and that felt very different from other versions of how this relationship would go and I liked that and I think it kept that relationship really fresh but then also just the Alex in Peril episode is just phenomenal just on a this is a woman who cuts off cuts open her own shoulder with a credit card and Maggie is just like no we're going to fix this now and it's just all really good and I really enjoyed it and I yeah yeah, it's good. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. And I hate using the past tense, but given... <laughs> given well, we'll see. We'll see. But it, it was very good in this season. Well, and, and I, I don't want to say... I, and I don't want it to sound like I, I have 
like real bad objections to things that that happened with Sanders this season because what they gave us was great. Um, you know, I could just imagine they could have given us so much more if we just had a little bit more screen time. But I agree with you that the way they explored the absolutely, relationship yeah. was was absolutely fantastic, and there were a lot of realistic elements. And I think some younger viewers were like, "It's boring," but I was just like, "No, this is real. Like this is." <laughs> This is this is what life is actually like. You and cherish you know, the boring. But, you know, you granted, understand I haven't been once a... you're in your twenties and thirties that you want these kind of conversations yes. to happen. Like, like you know, yeah. This I mean, is that's what actually... stability looks like. No, when Mrs. Prof and I met, I was actually like, "Is this normal or boring?" And I was like, "Oh, this is normal. I want this. This is great. This is healthy and not yes. like people randomly like dying this. every other week." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. that that was actually happening, but you know, it's just like nobody's yelling at each other all the time, and yeah. you know, there's not stupid drama. It's just like nice, and mm -hmm. that's what you want. And I feel like that's kind of what they gave us with them, unlike other relationships on the show, which was, and it was kind of a breath of fresh air as far as that goes. Yeah. Well, the way I'm going to wrap up our conversation here is to say that on some shows, when a character is recurring, they're in almost every episode. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe that will happen. I mean, I mean it's possible. Like you go, we'll to the fact that, you go to the fact that Joe Morton was a guest, a special guest star in Scandal for like 18 episodes. Um. It, sometimes it's a budgetary thing, and what what the term is for the actor um, affects the rate. So, yeah. But but like you guys say, so was Calista Flockhart, and she was in three episodes. Well, <laughs> like four episodes, but. You know, like, I like... really could go either way. Well, I really like your optimism, Kate. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is I, not optimism. I... This is self-delusion. Okay, well, I admire denial. your, your, your <laughs> denial. And, I, you know, I appreciate that. And I'm probably just going to, like, I'm probably just going to hold on to my bitter cynicism. And then if I'm surprised by her being in a whole bunch of episodes, then then awesome. <laughs> Yay! Fingers crossed! <laughs> <laughs> on that cheery note, thank you so oh, God, much for I'm coming sorry. back on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, no, no. It's great. It's great. I'm sorry I'm like this. <laughs> you are like this for a reason because all of TV lets down the queer community and the straight community who's looking for good representation over and over and over and just like there aren't enough overs. So you're right. <laughs> okay. Okay. But if, but if you want something happy, read my blog about Winona Earp. There you go. There you go. Well, yeah. And where where can listeners find your blog and, and you uh, online? Uh, well, I'm uh, at EG Bridges on Twitter, and my blog is uncannyvalley.us. And thank you again for coming on. It's always a pleasure talking with you. <laughs> good, good, good to talk to you all, too. Have a nice weekend. You, too. And thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm -hmm.